Hello Survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 72 and in this edition we're back in the labs for another episode of Virology. Join us as we unravel the many strains of the T-Virus. My name is Cy and joining me on the panel this week, umbrella splicing viruses together like he assembles giant mechs, it's fire button Steve Valance. Hi everybody, Armoured Core's amazing, there's my review. <laughs> He's already done more runs of Baldur's Gate 3 than there are strains of the T-Virus. It's James, a.k.a. Moist Owlet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and our special guest for this episode, part cosplayer, part writer, all Zack Fair fangirl, it's Rexy. <laughs> that was the, the sweetest introduction I've ever gotten in my entire life. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You're very welcome. Every episode of First Aid Spray is recorded live on our Discord server, so join now to hear the show early and unedited and to become part of our fantastic little community where we discuss life, the universe, and Resident Evil. You can find a link to the server as well as all of our social media profiles at our website, fasprayPod.com. It's the support of our listeners that keeps First Aid Spray going, so why not check out our merchandise or our Patreon page? Tiers begin at just $1 a month. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and a chance to create bonus First Aid Spray content. Content. Uh, let's do the housekeeping first. Uh, special thanks to all of our patrons, as always. Thank you to our latest patron, and I absolutely love this username. Her name is Something Valentine. So thank you to Something Valentine uh, for your support. It's been a bit of a busy few weeks for us in terms of content. There's a lot of stuff that we've got going on the back burner. We've, there's just been a lot happening behind the scenes this summer, so we, we're going to try and hit all of the stuff that we want to get done um, over the next few weeks. But we have, in the meantime, supplied some new content. We surprise dropped a commentary for the original Alien film, sort of out of nowhere. Steve, James and I uh, sat back and watched the theatrical cut of that movie, the classic. So if you ever feel like watching that movie again, you can now hear me, Steve and James, talk nonsense over the top of it, basically. That is going to be Patreon exclusive uh, for an undetermined amount of time. We just wanted to drop that something for patrons for quite a little while, like our last uh, Welcome to Raccoon City commentary. Um, over on A Moment of Relief, there is a new episode for patrons, which is the unanswered questions of Resident Evil. Steve Berger and I um, were pitched questions by the community about, you know, missing characters and dangling plot threads, how we would resolve them if we would, in fact, go back to them. Uh, that was a really fun episode. And the latest episode of A Moment of Relief that's come out publicly is James Berger uh, sitting down with Amy DeZura to talk all things Dungeons and & Dragons and Tabletop. Also, over on YouTube, we dropped a quite slapdash uh, video of me unboxing Resident Evil the board game um, which did quite well so thank you to everyone for checking that out because that is now beginning to arrive so you can get a good look at all of the components for the Kickstarter all in you can see everything basically um, cool so that's us let's circle back round to our guest as we always do Rexy welcome to the show um, as I sort of build you there as a writer and a cosplayer so if people know you on social media, or maybe if they don't know you, what kind of writing and what kind of characters might they recognise you as? Well, um, when it comes to writing, actually my full name here is Rexity Writes. Back in the day when I first mm -hmm. made this account in early 2021, I was just thinking about um, writing more because it was the second big lockdown and things 
weren't just weren't happening. There was nothing to go out to, no Christmas celebrations, nothing. And I needed something to pass the time. And I thought, hey, let's branch off from all my other fandoms that I've had before and start with something completely new, which was for me, back in the day, um, Resident Evil. I actually only played my very first Resident Evil game back in 2021, which was Resident nice. Evil 7. <laughs> nice. Wow, that's, that's a good cool. entry point. Yeah. yeah. Let's just say... Um, I did play this, um, and a few of my friends were watching me play this, and let's just say, I was sometimes scared so shitless. Um <laughs> someone had recommended this game to me back in the day, and they got a few strongly worded messages from me when I was done playing. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, the mother of Baker, what was her name again? Mar Marguerite? Marguerite, yeah. Marguerite, yeah. Her boss fight with the mutated crutch, I can remember just sitting at the edge of my bed, <laughs> controller in hand, the room around me was completely dark because I was so clever and played it at like midnight. I saw how, how she had mutated and basically turned into the spider-like creature. I placed the controller down, just had stopped the game, and I just needed to go out of the room to just take this all in and to just to get the courage to continue um, playing <laughs> this. <laughs> of course, it was great fun. As you can see, I have started to like Resident Evil and nowadays I'm here. <laughs> so yeah, um, the writing I'm doing, it's mostly fan fiction and trying to write, to write um, alternative um, universe stuff and just trying to um, get my own touch to um, certain characters and ideas. <laughs> Like, the latest idea I have had was some kind of Big Brother show for the STARS members. I haven't been able to um, work on it lately because I'm missing the ideas. But just finding a new setup and throwing existing characters into it and then trying to think of, hey, how would they react in these specific mm -hmm. situations? That would be um, very cool. And thankfully, the gift of writing has given me the ability to delve deeper into such ideas. And it's I'm, funny how that works when you you're you're a fan of something and then you're like I'm going to create something about it and then you just wind up absorbing even more information because you're as you say you need to like research stuff and you're like oh yeah my brain is now full of this one yeah. specific franchise. <laughs> I wasn't I was like brain goes Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And basically, um, I've been writing writing since I was seven years old. Basically, as soon as I was able to write full sentences and full words and everything, I started to write fanfiction. I started back in the day with cringy um, Spongebob and Pokemon fanfictions <laughs> with myself as a self-insert. And then I of also course. drew fan art to it, because that's just what little kids do. But it has led me a yep. long, long way. And this is also something, in case someone is listening and they don't know if they should start creating, if they are cringy, if people will laugh at them, well, you just gotta ignore these people because everyone starts out cringy. Everyone has done yep. some kind of self-insert or just with cringy interests. I really dislike it describing as this, but if you want to write about yourself as a Pokemon trainer who also has a Pikachu just like Ash, or if you want to live in Bikini Bottom, then just do it. It's it's fun. It should be fun. And it also helps you um, um, create more. And the more you create, the better you get at something. Mm -hmm. and well said. This is... Yeah. 
So. Agreed. I think we probably all like, there are probably people that come into something, and I don't want to say like that we're the most amazing podcast you've ever listened to, but people come into First Aid Spray and hear like a finished product. But yeah, that's the result of people that have been creating for, you know, all their lives and various different forms. We've all got that cringy stuff in our past that we're like, we don't talk about that anymore so much. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Um, basically, for cosplay, uh, I started it in November 2020, also second lockdown um, time, mm-hmm. because I was going through a bit of a personality and just life crisis because all of these things were happening. And I right. wanted to get um, a new hobby, some kind of thing to focus on. And cosplay basically fell into my lap and I bought my very first cosplay. It was Chill Valentine from the Resident Evil 3 remake. And nice. ever, si- ever since I've just absolutely started loving cosplays and just being um, different characters from other fandoms. And at first I was just uploading these pictures on um, Twitter, nowadays X, um, just for fun. And I would have never had the wildest dream of thinking of getting as many followers and supporters as I do nowadays. It's um, always just a big surprise to me that people um, look at my photos and think like, hey, this is amazing. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so yeah. That goes back to what you were saying about just do it, you know, exactly. just do it and enjoy it. And hopefully people respond to it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So um, just to, to uh, wrap this up. Yeah. Just go for it. It's, it's your life and mm. you are living and do what makes you happy. That's the most important part. So this is why I'm known as sometimes Jill Valentine. Some people recognize me as Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII. And just, I have so many ideas for more cosplays and some in the works, some planned. We'll just see where all of this leads me to. <laughs> Indeed. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, I was also going to ask you what your first Resident Evil experience is. You've obviously, you know, touched on that, so that's cool. As usual, we are kind of like an equal opportunity podcast like you don't need to be the most you know long-standing fan of the series james our own james you know has not been a resident Evil fan for the longest time so yeah it's always good to hear new perspectives you know from fans that are uh, sort of newly discovering the series now so that's always good um, okay it's, cool it's just a lot to dive into like um the first yeah resident i'm Evil sure game came out in 1997 if i remember correctly six oh yeah. six and Six. I wasn't even born back then, so the lore <laughs> goes back deep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> My bones, they ache. No. My aching knees. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Steve, would you like to take us into the news in that case? Our first piece of news, Resident Evil the board game is now available for pre-order. I think this is for all the uh, people who didn't do the Kickstarter, right? Yes, this is now from uh, from Steamforge website, steamforge.com. You can now pre-order the retail versions of Resident Evil the board game, which is the base game and two expansions. So you get the full sort of Spencer Mansion experience. Um, obviously, this doesn't include uh, all the Kickstarter stuff. Uh, which you will have seen in the video that I just mentioned. Um, but some of those might potentially go on sale because sometimes they do have extra stock. But if you have been eyeing this up um, and you missed out on the Kickstarter, what was it, uh, two years ago at this point or whatever it's been now, um, now is your chance to lay a pre-order down um, for yeah, Resident Evil the board game. We're obviously going to talk about it um, in depth another time 
this is more just like alert alert you can now purchase the board game if you missed out on it um and yeah we will talk about it more in future i don't think we necessarily need to dive into this one so steve do you just want to jump to the next headline resident evil 4's vr mode will be highlighted at the tokyo game show so this has been something that's been uh, cropping out throughout the week. I mean, we have confirmation that, yes, Resident Evil 4 VR mode will be there, but some people also anticipate that we might see some Resident Evil 4 DLC, which I think is probably the most uh, interesting potential thing that may or may not happen, because I don't know how into the VR mode for the remake people are, based primarily, I guess, on how accessible the VR2 is, the PS VR2, because it's quite an expensive bit of kit. I don't think anybody we... Uh, you know, part of our team has one. Uh, Rexy, are you a PlayStation 5 owner? Would you be getting... Are you interested in the VR mode of Remake 4? Well, I have actually been thinking about buying a, um, those VR glasses, but they're quite mm. expensive and they're just not that yeah, many... the price in- of the console. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. And there are just not that many interesting games for it. And just yes, bu- buying 100%. it for um, a single game just isn't working out so i think it's gonna be a pass for me unless there are more um, exciting games coming out for it complete absolutely completely fair i think yeah lots of people would agree with you on that point um in that case then are we how do we feel steve do you think maybe we'll see i guess everyone just is assuming separate ways um do you think that's likely because the game came out what six months ago at this point maybe so is it time yeah, I, I think it's time. Like, uh, if, if we go back to RE4 Classic, it was only like, what, three or four months, maybe? Six months? Yeah. Not, between wasn't long. PS2 and GameCube, and obviously that had separate ways. Obviously, dev times are different, effort required to make all these things is a lot different. But yeah, um, to backtrack onto the PS5 VR thing, I feel kind of bad because RE7 never, it's only VR on PlayStation 3, sorry, PlayStation 4, isn't it? Uh, I it's believe not PC. So. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll be a shame because much like RE4's classic VR, that's like meta only, isn't it? Facebook or whatever. Yeah, Oculus Quest yeah. 2. Yeah. It, it's such an interesting and unique way to play the game. It's a shame that it's probably going to be locked to a platform and that price point's mm. keeping people gatekeeped. Um, I hope they kind of like. If it's a year's exclusivity thing, that's not so bad. I feel it's about time RE7 got released from the VR jail, though. That's now on a system that's not necessarily everywhere and backwards compatibility yeah do you know i could almost see that as a bit of a surprise announcement um mm. at the end of them talking about re4 vr as they go and also 7 is coming to psvr2 or is available now as an upgrade mm. um on the playstation 5 version which came out um earlier this year i think it was uh yeah you're totally right like cause we just talked about how um, expensive these pieces of kit are, but you're yeah, you you buy one, you've got very little to play on your PSVR or even maybe your Oculus. I don't know how big that library is, but then you are yeah locked out of games on other systems. And I know that's a broader conversation about console exclusivity and stuff like that. But we have exclusivity within exclusivity almost at that point. Yeah, where you're right because I'd like to play this. I'd like to play RE4 original VR, but yeah, it, <laughs> I'd have to buy both different VR kits in order to play both. It's just like it's not going to happen. And like friend of the pod, uh, Sean, Stars Tyrant, they, they insist that the only way to play RE7 is through the VR. And it's like it mm-hmm. put that whole like PlayStation VR thing on the map, really. It was the yeah, for sure. killer app at the time. So it would be nice to bring it to you know, new new day. Uh, maybe the, the more updated RE engine will help it be a little bit more fidelity. Um, otherwise, yeah, just some Merc stuff would be nice, if not separate ways. 
Yeah. I don't think that Remake 4's VR is going to be quite the killer app that RE7's is going to be at this point because, yeah, it doesn't. It didn't feel like the original PlayStation VR had enough going for it to release a sequel as it is. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if this pays off from a sort of business standpoint. Um, James, how are you feeling about uh, what we may or may not see at TGS this year? I think we'll definitely see separate ways. That's like a given, I think. Um, but I would also love to see uh, some Operation Javier mentions, maybe. Interesting. Like, if we, because I know a lot is mentioned in in Remake Four, right? But uh, I, I just, it, it's my favorite part of Dark Side Chronicles, right? Yeah. So, like, I think it was all of our favorites from that game, and yeah, it would just be great to have. Uh, like even if it's within separate ways because it would make sense for that DLC mm-hmm. as well like it would be cool if you were going through with Ada and you would learn more about Leon as you went and then it would switch to like Operation Javier but this might also be a James idea that sounds really good right but they, <laughs> they won't do you know because they, they do that often you might get a line a single line that mentions something yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that, that's, a, that's about it I don't think I'm really like expecting a great deal to be honest um there is i mean i know this is a this is a resident evil podcast but dragon's dogma is too is going to be on that show so that's probably something i'm going to be even more hyped about to be honest yeah to be fair capcom's sort of lineup for tgs this year like broadly is pretty good with you know they've got monster hunter there's gonna be new ace attorney uh well i think it's the re-release but still it's nice to see that their brand still exists street fighter 6 obviously quite strong exo primal so they've got a lot going on there so yeah, it remains to be seen whether or not they drop the big hand of RE4 DLC. Uh, Can you imagine it seems that? Like it's, it seems like it's been a while and it's probably about time, but we don't know what their next game is or when that's going to be, so they might actually be wanting to wait it out as long as they can. I don't know. Just just say it with me, Sai. Classic collection. <laughs> <laughs> Manifest it. <sighs> I'm going to bring it out. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe another time. <laughs> wouldn't be the first time wouldn't be the first time so TGS goes down um, it's between the 21st and the 24th of September depending there's business days and public days I don't actually know if Capcom have actually announced uh, when their stream is Uh, it looks like it's going to be the 21st of September Um, so we will know hopefully around the time of the next episode Um, yeah I guess we'll find out um, I think that's going to do it for the news. So that brings us into the main topic of this episode, which is Virology T-Virus Part 2. And now, reading the files, Research Facility Chief's Journal 1 and 2 from Resident Evil Revelations 2, What Culture Gaming's Josh Brown, who you can follow on Twitter at J-O-S-H-B-R-O-O-W-N. Developing the T-Forbus virus turned out to be my lucky break. The other researchers didn't see any merit in it. A virus that triggers upon the subject feeling fear, reacts to norepinephrine, that's useless, they said. Fortunately for me, Alex didn't think so. After reading my report on the virus, she became very interested in its unique properties and made me the head of the research team. As we need its completion, she then made me the chief researcher. Alex appreciates my genius. It's an honor to work with her. Today, Stuart came through and delivered the sample we've been waiting for, the Ouroboros virus. We've finished work on T4bus, so we'll be working on Ouroboros from now on. The underground level of the facility is being converted specifically for this purpose. I'm so thrilled to continue working under Alex's brilliance. 
So welcome back, as I say, to the lab to talk about the viral agents of Resident Evil. This is our new sort of quite lore-heavy episodes. I think we thoroughly enjoyed doing the last one and it did really well, so I'm more than happy to do another episode on it. Um, and if you did listen to our previous virology episode on the T-virus, we talked about all the sort of all the strains of the kind of main T-virus over the years. It's really in-depth stuff of all the different kind of T-viruses uh, that Umbrella made until they kind of perfected it. But of course, outside of that, there was kind of various spiralling different versions made by other people. Um, so this episode is going to talk more specifically about those in the post um sort of 1998 era. Although we will be starting with that because we want to talk about the Nemesis, the Any Alpha Parasite, just... You know, because it's fun to talk about and don't know where else to put it. <laughs> but after that, uh, yes, this episode, to give the glossary, will be uh, T. Veronica, the T plus G, the T Abyss, the T Phobos. Um, and also to give the bibliography as well at the top while we're here. Special thank you goes to our friends over at the Resident Evil Podcast, ResidentEvilPodcast.com, which is where we got all the information last time. And the same thing here again. Um, their work is impeccable and appreciated. It makes our life so much easier. So all of the reading that I'm going to be doing throughout this episode comes essentially directly from their encyclopedia on the website, which is, yeah, a must-have, a must-read. When you need to know something about Resident Evil, I'm sure you can find it on there. So especially thank you to those guys um, before we start going through that little contents page that I just listed Steve, um, James and I obviously talked about T-Virus um, broadly in the last episode but so Rexy I'm just going to start with you just to talk a little bit about the T-Virus in general you know um, especially someone as I said earlier coming to the franchise new kind of what's your feeling on the T-Virus because sort of us old fans some people you know that's Resident Evil for them. That's maybe where the nostalgia comes from. It's important to them. Some people, of course, feel like that it's a bit overused or it's sort of easy to go back to to sort of get people's interests. Where do you feel like the T-Virus sort of fits within Resident Evil's larger scope? Um, and do you think that it's something that needs to be continually brought back or at this point, do we move on from it? This is actually a pretty, pretty good question. Like, if you think of Resident Evil, like if you weren't a fan, what would you think of it? You would think, ah, it's a gaming series with the zombies. Ah, zombie game. And this, um, all these zombies came in the, in the first point from the T-Virus. So mm -hmm. the T-Virus is basically Resident Evil's big selling point. Of course, mm -hmm. nowadays we have the things like the Mega My Seed in Village or the um, Mold in the um, Baker's House and some of the others. Uh, but the T-Virus has started Resident Evil, I dare to say, and from them it, it only expanded. And this is why the T-Virus is, in my eyes, one of the most important parts of Resident Evil. And it pr might be coming back at some point in the near future, in a future game, because there are still plot holes with the T-Virus. Um, for example, wait, I'm just going through my notes right now to check which name was it. Um, like, Natalia. Like, yep. she still has the dormant virus inside of her. And maybe with her being a future um, protagonist or even an enemy, that would be kind mm -hmm. of cool to see how the T-virus inside of her has evolved over the years. Or maybe some other kind of dormant um, T-virus inside of someone else or inside of Raccoon City survivors. That could be an option too. But yeah, there are just so, so many options, so, so many ideas to go from. And yeah, as I've said before, the, um, 
what did I say? Um, it's basically Resident Evil selling point. So yeah, T virus, yeah. the zombie is Resident <laughs> Evil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do go back to you know quite regularly. We haven't seen it in the games too much in terms of the new games. Obviously, mm-hmm. for a while, we've had it in the remake, which the remakes, which in general brings it back to the public conscious, if you like. So if they were going to make another game that jumps back into the T-Virus, now could potentially be the time to do it because the Mega My Seek stuff seems to be largely wrapped up as well, or at least implied to be. Um, but yeah, they haven't been shy about including it in stuff like, you know, comics and Death Island, obviously, doesn't even... It has a new strain of the T-Virus that doesn't even have a name. Um, and it's not the first CGI film to just be like, ah, oh, we've got a new T-Virus, rather than something completely brand new. Um, so they aren't really shy about going back to it or coming up with a new strain here and there. Um, so yeah, there is potential... I mean, it's still, yeah, you're right. It's still almost like the spinal cord of Resident Evil that still runs through everything, just at least a little bit. Even if we're off doing something else completely, we'll probably come back to the T-Virus at some point. (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. So let's uh, go back to 98 then. Let's talk about the Any Alpha Parasite. Rather than a virus, let's talk about a parasite first. Um, So I'm going to do my first chunk of reading Um, A majority of Umbrella's B.O.W.s created throughout the 1980s were deemed failures because the virus, the T-Virus, eroded intelligence levels to the point where they could not be adequately programmed to carry out complex commands despite their effective combat abilities. All European branches of the company began researching new ways to create high-intelligent B.O.W.s that could be easily controlled. Countless theories and prototype mechanisms were applied, including genetically modifying an organic parasite, which would not only increase control, but amplify the B.O.W.s' original ability. Abilities. The parasite could not survive on its own and was useless without a host. At the same time, it eroded the central nervous system and destroyed the host's frontal lobe, modifying the neural network to link its own brain with all remaining brain function. This allowed the parasite to take full control of the host's mind and motor functions. The tentacles of the parasite that spread through the host's body would continue to grow to the point they would protrude through the body in some cases and were able to transmit a more potent form of the T-virus. The parasite also increased the host's regenerative capabilities by substantial levels. The Alpha parasite, as it came to be known, was refined over a period of 10 years to iron out any problems and make constant improvements, including being tested on BOWs such as the Cerberus and the Hunter, although the reduced brain capacity of reptiles and amphibians meant results were varied and only reinforced the notion that humans would make perfect biological weapons. When Umbrella Europe eventually launched the Nemesis T-Type Pursuer in 1998, it actually exceeded the tyrant specifications and commercialization was planned if a more human appearance could be realized. But the fallout for Umbrella following the Raccoon City disaster and subsequent total business suspension shelved these plans and the project. So, in summation, of course, what I'm talking about is the Nemesis, the parasite that controls the Nemesis, that is the layman terms here. Um, This is something that Steve and I talked about on a recent episode of A Moment of Relief. Um, so James I'm going to start with you in terms of uh, the Tyrant Project how do you feel about the Parasite and the way that it fits into everything do you feel like it's a really um, memorable part of the Tyrant Project uh, well before I go into like the, mem- the how memorable it is because I feel like it, this is one of the most memorable for me um, hmm. like I, I, I want to talk about the origins of this virus because right, like reading through like the research of it, and I'll go into how it fits into the lore a second, like after I speak about this. But I love that the origins of this virus, um, it came from the creation of chaos. Like it was seen as like this competitor to the North American 
like tyrant program right, yeah, like strain yeah. um when it was just like it was just a progression of it it was just like an advancement and i just feel like that's like it's really telling found like it's very telling of the foundations within umbrella right because mm-hmm. this was constantly happening they're technically working together to yeah. affect something but they're basically like fighting over who gets to be the one to yeah do it. like these really intelligent corpos like sorry to bring cyberpunk terminology into here but they like <laughs> like they wanted to bite each other's heads off over something so powerful um mm. and because of that i think because it's that like that just origins i think it fits so well into the lore of resident mm. evil because we're constantly hearing about these stories you know it's it's about whether it be at the base level, like of like on the street level, or it's like at the high level with the corpos, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's incredible to hear the the kind of chaos that was happening um, <laughs> with all these different strains that were happening. Um, but yeah, it fits incredibly well into the law of Resident Evil because of that. Um, mm. It's not like the strain isn't much different to the T virus. Uh, the only di- real difference is that it gives intelligence, as you said, um, and I think that makes it incredibly scary. Um, yeah. And a great improvement, which is why I think it, it did so well. Like you know, the mm-hmm. game did, and um, yeah, and it, it like it, it kept the base of the tyrant, um, and then it just kind of turned up to eleven. Um, yeah, and it was just, that. It's just yeah. There's nothing from me. There's nothing more to be said in terms of how it fits into the law because of that. Um, yeah, but its origins and how it just gave a, made a tyrant into a plus one <laughs> tyrant <laughs> instead. Yes, indeed. Like it's a it's a really interesting approach because we've got a lot of like, oh, this tyrant failed. We're going to make it better. This one is just yeah, it's it's one of those, but from a completely different perspective. It's like, what if we just lump this thing on top of it and see what happens? Yeah. Um, and what happens is perhaps one of the most iconic enemies in the entire franchise with the nemesis. Um, Steve, how do you feel about the way that the parasite fits into the law, um, and how memorable for you is this kind of part of the law? Oh goodness me! Like uh, this is the <laughs> this is the one, isn't it? This is the, now obviously in the in the grand scheme of things, and now we, we know that they've. Uh, um, some would argue retconned, but the, the whole blending of Plagueis to any alpha to then use it as a thing to basically dump Nemesis's charisma stat. It's a lot uglier, but it's got a lot more intelligence. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty good. Like uh, the idea is sound, and I, I, I'm the, reading that, the, hearing the reading of that document. I kind of like, I kind of wish I'd seen what a quote unquote any alpha hunter or last Plagueis hunter would right? look like. You know that would be dope, Capcom. Come on, let's let's do it. More <laughs> more classic enemies Resident with Evil three prequel. Yeah, with with a RE four esque Plagueis stuff. You know, I want to flashbang a hunter and it dies. <laughs> uh, no, no other reasons other than they terrify me. But no, no, no. The, the, the idea that they, that they engineer this to basically puppet and marionette. Mm. I still don't understand how you quote unquote program a parasite to do your bidding. But I'd imagine the, the the idea would be something on the lines of how the Plagueis works, right? Sound based. Potentially. There's a lot of talk in the lore about them trying to sort of t- tinker with tyrant brains and cut certain parts out or whatever. And maybe it's just easier to do with a, something smaller like a parasite. I mean, you know, it's quite simple, I suppose, but that's pseudoscience, yeah. isn't it? I mean, the movies, obviously, they had it in a different spoke, didn't they? It was like a mm. computer controlled ty- uh, nemesis. But yeah. uh, uh, an organic computer is still pretty dope. Mm. Uh, yeah, obviously, nemesis themselves, iconic monster. Pretty much any version, be it the classic version, the broken nose version, maybe not drunk robot dad version from Umbrella Chronicles, <laughs> is a fantastic VOW. Uh, so, yes. yeah. 
I, I'm all on board. I, I think this is perhaps one of the better additions to the, the, the BOWs as a whole. Basically taking them all and infinity stoning them into one horrible monster. Mm. Only it's just two stones. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one stone that makes the other stone worse. Um, yeah. No, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, I can't say I ever particularly like the fact that it's the origin of this parasite is quite a mystery. Like, where did it come from? And they kind of figured out that they could just put it on the tyrant and it makes it more powerful or rather easy to control. Um, but I, we talked about this in a moment of relief. I also don't know how I feel about the remake games being like, yeah, it's something to do with Last Plagas because that, I mean, I mean, it, it makes sense, but also it kind of undoes a bunch of stuff as we talked about where it's like how Umbrella had a sample of the Plagas but didn't just bulldoze into the town and be like, nah, this is all yeah. of us now. We've decided we want this. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But... I, I at least like that it gives an origin to this parasite that otherwise didn't have it before. It's just like, well, we're going to put a spooky, scary thing on the spooky, scary monster and make it spookier and scarier. And it is for me, you know, a tyrant with a programmed kind of drive is way scarier to me than this dude who goes, ha ha ha, inferno of hate, etc., and then injects himself. <laughs> um, this is a really good continuation of what we had before with from Resident Evil 1 and 2 about these kind of mindless killing machines. Uh, whereas this one is... It's mindless in a different way. It's mindless to the point where it destroys itself, essentially. It destroys its own body in the process to complete its goal, which is kind of terrifying. And almost, when you think about it, a little bit tragic, really. Like, I shouldn't feel bad for the tyrant, but its brain is just gone. It's been taken over by this hungry little critter that they've installed in its place. Um, Rexy, how do you feel about the Any Alpha Parasite? How do you feel about Nemesis and how it all fits in with the other tyrants of the series? Honestly, most of the points that I have had written down for this answer have been said already. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the thing is, um, I really like the addition in Resident Evil 4 Remake that we get to find out that uh, um, Las Plagas was the, was the idea behind the um, yeah. Nemesis Alpha um, um, parasite. And now the, um, the conversation that you just had with the computer inside of Nemesis and all these ideas, I've had another idea what they have, could have done to um, manipulate um, Nemesis into going these certain ways and all that stuff. Um, one idea would have been um, they could have maybe used sounds to do that, like, um, mm -hmm. like at a higher frequency, I think that's the right word, um, yeah. than us humans do, but the uh, Nemesis can do for example like how we have these um dog whistles and stuff exactly that could, that could have been an idea and the other thing would have been maybe smell also for, coming from dogs like <laughs> just imagine sure. this, <laughs> sorry, this, this mental image i have right now like the, the scientists at umbrella have like a t-shirt of jill that they stole off her That's clothing right. line and oh, just so holding it to <laughs> Holding it to Nemesis' nose and be like, go away, go away, find her, find her. <laughs> the scariest fido in the land, it's Nemesis, just go get a boy. Stores. <laughs> I think you're right, I think, I mean, as funny as that image is, I think you're both right in that sound makes a lot of sense, and we kind of know that in the lore, that that's how the Las Plagas communicate anyway, that you've got the, dominus, the dominant Las Plagas that Sadler has, and that's how he's able to control everyone else. So I can absolutely see that being the case, someone at Umbrella used sound to control Nemesis, and then knowing Raccoon City, that Umbrella scientist probably got eaten, and so it didn't get any more commands, it just goes on the one command it's been given, and that's why it just never stops, which is kind of cool. True, he's just like on repeat of kill, chill, kill, chill, <laughs> yeah, kill, <basically>. chill. 
you, can I just uh, piggyback on this? Like, because we said that there's a dominant plagger out there. Does that mean then that theoretically there could be like a dominant any alpha parasite? In theory, yeah. You know, like in some crusty old umbrella lab, there's like, yeah, okay, Nemesis, do this. Oh, Nemesis is dead. I'll just carry on broadcasting anyway. <laughs> mm. That's actually fair, kind of sad. <laughs> It is kind of sad. There's a lot of Resident Evil. Um, Steve, you're probably the one here that knows the most about Operation Raccoon City. We, they, we have like the Nemesis beta parasites and that. Like, what's mm-hmm. the deal with these? They, they, they latch onto tyrants, so they, they don't instantly transform them into Nemesis, do they? No, 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 no. Um, I haven't read the like the deep lore notes in a hot minute, so forgive me, everybody. But they're, they're basically small, spidery-like creatures that latch mm. onto things, not unlike, quote-unquote, man-spider in 1.5 may have done. Right. Right, and they embed into the life form, and in a zombie's case, they pretty much cave the entire head in, and then become like a puppet marionette for it. Right. Uh, in the tyrant's case, you only really see one. It's a, a T103 gets overcome by a horde of them, and they basically meld into a a, a super organism, like a, a super tyrant with a giant spidery like any any beta attached to it that's running it. I see. You eventually kill the parasite, and then have to kill the tyrant as well. I believe it's been mm-hmm. a hot minute. So yeah, it's a marionette device. More, not so much as a uh, less uh, tentacly and uh, Lovecraftian, almost as the any alpha is. It's more mm. beetly spidery. Yeah, that's fair. Interesting. But obviously, we'll get to Operation Racket City one day. I haven't played it in a very long time either, and that sort of you can sort of take or leave the lore from that game depending on your tastes. Um, but yeah, that could maybe play into the whole sort of alpha, the sort of dominant and submissive Plagueis kind of situation potentially as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see Nemesis commanding those things around. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, there <what>? you go. <laughs> right, Nemesis is a little spider army. Uh, that's an ability we didn't know he had. But I guess he does have something kind of similar in the remake where he's got that ability to kind of take control of zombies or whatever you want to call it where he can drop that thing on their heads uh so you know it's not beyond the realm of possibility i suppose um largely when we talk about these it's like oh you know what your favorite bow's and least favorite bow's but we really only have nemesis to talk about at this point so um and i think generally speaking that's for me that's the way that it should stay as enthusiastically as we've all talked about this i actually I don't think I would like to see it again. I feel like it, other outside of like remakes and retellings, I do feel like it would diminish it. And at this point, if you bring it back, it would be kind of hard to justify why it didn't come back sooner, considering it's so sort of quote unquote perfect. Um, James, how would you feel about potentially seeing the Any Alpha and or Nemesis again? Uh, so my initial thought when like kind of reading this, uh, I, I was like, yes, yes, give me more of it. But then I started to think about the footprint that yeah. like the parasite has in Resident Evil like and it like and if it was ever to pop its tentacles out again like would it reduce <laughs> the effectiveness of the parasite like itself because mm-hmm. this thing is incredibly situational it needs an entire team to get it right like like you like when you start to learn about like the parasite it, it's also like on its own it's absolutely useless this thing like so, like in in and in the current meta of of Resi, like where we're basically chasing errant employees and like lab workers, like around right. the world, like it probably wouldn't last that long. Um, yeah. Which is wild because it's inspired by the Last Plagas, which like, but I I feel like the Last Plagas it seems to be a more elegant like 
you know, parasite in its natural design. And also, to be well. fair, with the Las Plagas, it was like buried underground for hundreds of years or whatever. So we know it's kind of hardy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. like, yeah. So I don't think it would last if it did. However, if you know, say if, um, say you know, we always you know we hear about the family, the rival company, the connection. Say if like mm. we we hear about a big upsurge again, I would be prepared to hear about. Uh, the any alpha parasite again, but otherwise I don't see it coming back. Um, would I like to see it again? Only if those that those prerequisites were actually met, because right. otherwise I don't think it would last very long. Hmm. Uh, Rexy, how would you feel about you know a return to the any alpha and nemesis into the series? <laughs> Since Bradwick is one of my favourite characters, I will never ever want to see a Nemesis again in my entire life. Thank you very much. Rest in peace, Brad. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm also going to say it. I don't really think that it is coming back because the whole um, Tyrant Nemesis thing has kind of wrapped up with the end yeah, of Resident Evil 3. And I don't really see um, a point in going back to this at the moment. Of course, if there is a rivaling company that got somehow hold of bits and pieces of Nemesis, just scraping them off the radioactive surface of what was Raccoon City, maybe, who knows? Oh my god! Oh my god, this, this gives me an idea. So, Raccoon City was nuked, basically. Now, imagine... You have played Fallout, right? Yeah. <laughs> now imagine you're about to say something to make Steve very happy. Oh now, yeah, yeah. Now imagine some kind of death claw like Nemesis. <laughs> oh, oh wait, you something have no swear in your rule. I need to play <laughs> myself here. I mean, I'm with Rexy because like the, the talk of the the the, the Nemesis parasite being used with hunters instead. It doesn't have to be like and a, a full sweep of the game. Like it could be some arms dealers got some old samples from an Umbrella Europe lab and they've just got like two hunters, they've got like a spare parasite, here you go, here's a, here's a mini boss or something. Right. Like, something for yeah, fans maybe. to go, that's neat! Not something that stalks you the entire game and goes like, you know, stars My nemesis again, whatever. yeah. Yeah, just mm-hmm. as a unique boss fight that's got like something we can recognise as a cool one-off event, not a full game thing. Yeah. Um, I think otherwise, a relic of the past, it's probably going to remain. But as a, mm-hmm. a, a goofy callback boss, that'll be awesome for me. That'd be neat. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Rexy, um, and we've sort of mentioned this before when we were ranking tyrants for, for our show Tear Death Experience, you know, they just stop after a point in the series because the tyrant program is an umbrella thing. So once umbrella's gone, we don't really have tyrants. We don't have any more nemesis. That's kind of the end of it. Instead, we have, yeah, people transforming themselves or just kind of other large-scale BOWs. Nothing that you can accurately describe as a tyrant. So, yeah, I think that, that time of Resident Evil is absolutely long past. Um, okay, cool. It is also worth mentioning, of course, that the NEF parasite is responsible for the G-Virus, but that is uh, a conversation for another podcast in the future, I expect. So let's jump ahead very slightly to T-Veronica. And the T-Veronica was a type of T-Virus created by Alexia Ashford in the, in the early 1980s. Initially, the objective was to create a superior T-Virus to the strains developed at Arclay Labs under Oswald Spencer's supervision in order to solidify and reclaim the Ashford family's hold over the Umbrella Corporation. Whilst a failure at first, things took a turn with the experimental birth of Alexia Ashford, who was cloned from the genes of her grandmother. T-Virus 
sorry, T. Veronica was created using the base template of Progenitor as raw material and combined with the ancient retrovirus extracted from the genome of a queen ant. Finally, the remaining sequencing gaps were completed by incorporating plant genes. This fusion was a purposeful one by Alexia designed to create a system of control. In nature, plants provide food and shelter for the corresponding ant colony and in turn the, an and in turn, the ants protect the plant by killing any invaders or even killing other vegetation in close proximity that might compete for nutrients and sunlight. The plant controlled this relationship by emitting complex chemical signals that drew the ants in and compelled them to defend it. These same chemicals also sent the ants into a rage whenever the plant's life force was under, under threat. There are multiple strains of the virus, the first of which was created by Alexia in 1981 or 1982. This was injected into her father, Alexander Ashford, in 1983 and transformed him into a monster. In this prototype form, the virus caused rapid changes in an organism's cells too quickly for the host's body to cope and destroyed mental function. This led to the T. Alexia strain, which Alexia Ashford injected into herself. After spending 15 years in suspended animation, Alexia awakes to find her body now coexisted in harmony with the T. Veronica virus. So that brings us to our second virus of the day, or our second topic of the day. Um, yes, the entire backdrop for Resident Evil Co. Veronica. Quite a complex... An interesting piece of lore for me. I've always been a big fan. Obviously, I'm a Co Veronica fan. Um, I've always been a big fan of T Veronica's sort of backstory there. Um, Rexy, how do you feel about how it fits into lore? And also, you know, that quite complex sort of thinking about uh, the relationship between ants and plants and how that's displayed. Okay, so um, how it fits into the lore and. Um I think um, the game before um, Code Veronica was Resident Evil 3, right? And yeah. I think it was trying to shoot into another direction um, mm -hmm. instead of nemesis and tyrants and all, all these things together. Um, the fact that they were trying to do this with ants, plants and humans, just the, the general idea was really, really cool in my eyes. Uh, the thing is, I haven't played all of Code Veronica yet because my PlayStation just just keeps crashing whenever <laughs> I try to play it, which is quite a pity. Because, yes. um, yeah, I was actually really, really looking forward to playing it. But yeah, um, I have been thinking that it, that, that was just such a cool idea to merge all of these three things together. Just how um, ants live, with, live in nature, how important ants are to nature. As you mm. know, I live in the middle of the mountains, middle of the forest. So I get hmm. to see all of this nature on a daily basis, and how humans can take this and make something terrible out of it. Because it's human nature, yes. I suppose. Yes. And it was also kind of interesting to see the whole family drama on both sides, with the Redfields and with the Ashfords, with what hmm. happened with the... Um, what was the name again? Um, the Frozen One. TV dinner. Alexia? Alexia, Alexia yeah. yeah. Yeah, Alexia's TV dinner. TV dinner is <laughs> yeah. great. Did you get that reference, Steve? <laughs> yes. For <laughs> <laughs> the ones who were wondering, it was a Fallout 4 reference. <laughs> so yeah, just the whole mixture of all these things. I really, really enjoy it from what I have seen so far and what I've read so far. And the Ashford family it just sounds basically very, very um, dysfunctional. And mm. dysfunctional families most of the time make the most interesting characters in video games, movies, and TV shows. <laughs> yeah, agreed. 
Co-Riker is an interesting one because like it might seem very wacky from the outside, but I really appreciate when you you know read this and you think about the infectees of the virus. There is okay, some of it's a little bit weird. The fire, but the fact that she can you know bleed fire is a little odd. But okay, fine. Uh, that part aside, there is some consistency and stuff to this, like. Alexia and Steve both have the ability to change their format kind of at will and back and forth and stuff like that. That's an element of Code Veronica and that also continues into other viruses that use Veronica as well. Um, I really like stuff like that. But yeah, just, yeah, as you said, using nature, which is something that scientists will look at something they're aware of and be like, ah, yes, we can use this for our own means. And We've had it a little bit with Las Plagas. It's not quite scientists using it for their own means, but we obviously we compare something fictional to like uh, with Las Plagas to actual parasites that exist that do very similar things. Um, so there's no reason that I can't believe. Yes, we'd have a virus that allows you to control uh, other creatures via sort of pheromones and stuff like that. You know, it's the plant stuff that people easily forget with this, but it's a really interesting aspect to T. Veronica. Steve, how do you feel about how this fits within the law? Uh, it's fantastic. Like, I, the, the spokes and the detail they go into, out of all the, the viruses created, quote-unquote, by, like, the flagship stuff, you know, uh, Misugimura and whatnot, compared mm. to Zero's leeches, this is, like, a masterwork. This is like comparing uh, a trashy fantasy novel in Zero to, like, The Hobbit, Right, it's complex. <laughs> it's got detail. It's got backstory. It's got almost like you know logic and reason to it. And I would argue, like uh, James is going to go into it more. If you're looking at the live chat, there's like alien gifts all over. Uh, you know about the, the blood. <laughs> like uh, that could be just a reaction right. of a unique combination of the virus to air. Like you know, like that when blasted into the air, it then superheats, and that's yes. used later on very cleverly in the sea virus as to why, like you know, the Juavo burned to death because their mm. body can't control it. Like, no, no, you neat. make a very good point, actually. That's a perfect justification because the reason that she has to freeze herself and the reason you have to go to the Antarctic is because T. Veronica can, cannot deal with basically anything but sub-zero temperature. So you're right, it makes yeah. total sense. When she, you know, ex expels blood, it just burns through the air. So yeah, actually, come to think of it, I'll take it back. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense as well. It's <laughs> ridiculous, but there's like, there's, there's realms and logic sort of in the magic, you know, um... The, the aesthetic of them, you know, they're all unique, but they all are green, chlorophyllic, uh, which leads into yes. the plant stuff. You know, the ants bits, they actually did the beat, bit for me that while there's obviously a lot of dragonflies, a lot of ants, kind of weak for me. I love the more dryad stuff. Like, we don't get much biological, like, plant-based stuff in this, it feels like, in the series. Mm. Not enough of it, at least. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the, the giant, like, pods, the tentacles, and the fact that she looks literally like a dryad demon thing from Castlevania in, like, Alexia Form 1. Pretty dope. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that said, uh, the Deus Ex Machina like cure for it is a laser cannon, which is a bit, <laughs> a bit whack. I'm not 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 keen on that bit. Uh, and I love the idea that having just looked, discussed the any alpha parasite, whether intentional or not, that there's now two competing branches of umbrella trying to figure out a different way to puppet T virus like life forms. Mm. Um, because the, the, as we've already established in the law, they are petty sods that like to compete with each other and obviously try and like take over and subjugate each other. So yes. th this this is very much on point and on brand. T. Veronica obviously makes a comeback with the like the Jabberwock and the whole Operation Javier stuff. Still kind of on point, but I feel like it's at its prime in CV. 
Yes, you're so right as well because uh, we hear we hear and see it all throughout the law that like, especially when you think about the founders of Umbrella being all sort of rich, affluent kids, um, they're all you know greedy men, um, which yeah brings them to wanting to control. And we hear it in the company motto with obedience breeds power and stuff like that and then you yeah you see it in their actual research where they're all trying to control each other and be the best at controlling their subjects so absolutely i mean you could argue that veronica is perhaps the beginning of the catch-all super virus part of resident evil because it does a lot of amazing things i still think as you've said quite rightly said i still think a lot of it is very well justified within the law um, and it's nothing compared to what's to come, but yeah, I can't really deny that this perhaps nudged the door a little bit um, before we started getting things like the C-virus and such. Um, James, how do you feel like Veronica fits into the law? I, so before I go, I love Code Veronica, and I love Code Veronica because like its story is quite unique. Mm-hmm. Like and, like So I just want to preface that because I'm going to say some things that people might think are negative, but they're not. I want them to be... They, they, I want you to shine a positive light on what I'm about to say. So this virus is really odd. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> uh, like the get, I, and I know, I know, like the, the general RE community thinks that Code Veronica is also kind of odd, right? And I think that is cool, you know, because mm. it's it is an outlier, and I think also that's cool because you know we were. I always feel like Code Veronica was trying to go in another direction. Right, and but it was still keeping within the lore of the game and the lore of the franchise. Right, and right. I, I, I love that about Code Veronica. Like when I played it, well, when Steve played it in front of me, because I'm terrified of tank controls. Right, but <laughs> you can do it, James. I mean, <laughs> maybe one Coming day. Coming to a live stream near you, I make James play Code Veronica. <laughs> Listen, I played remake one. Okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like never enough. <laughs> I absolutely I- feel you. I also hate tank <laughs> controls and I hate fixed angles, so that's that. Oh, no. I cannot yes, do finally- things. I finally have an ally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but yeah, like not- the other the other thing I think makes me uh, love this, and again, this is going to sound like a negative, but it's not right. Is that I- there's not much known about its origins, about this like ancient ant, you know, this queen right. ant and like that the 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 virus was synthesized from and i want to know more about this ant like i know that sounds really strange but it's like where did this <laughs> ant come from what the heck did it eat for the for this like i, I want to know more about it and you know again it compels me right because mm-hmm. that is also this here's your reference that's what aliens is about you know it's about you know this so it's, of course it's going to draw me in like mm-hmm. and because of that like it you know there is a lot of vaguety in um in resident evil and yeah it, that really fits into the law like it doesn't explain everything it gives you just enough to go huh yeah. this is interesting i mm-hmm. i really want them to go further into it but they don't so they're like oh you make your own mind up about where this is going to come from like yeah. you know and alexia as well one of my favorite villains she is a very resi villain she like she betrays she kills she steals like uh, when she needs to because she's incredibly intelligent um she does it from anyone who gets in her way including her own brother and father you know um but yeah i do feel again this is going to come across as a negative but it's not because i think i feel like it is a positive because it's so different like it feels the virus feels like an outlier 
like from everything else. And I will say this again later on as well about something else. Um, mm. But I love these outliers because um, they it really you 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 get the idea that the creative team really wanted to do something here, like with it, and they I felt like they wanted to kind of have a future f- planned for this virus because it was perfect. Like this right. this virus was perfect. Like it could make. In in every sense that we like these umbrella folks would see them as, right? Because they were like, you had the plants would make carapaces that would protect you from projectiles. They were fast, you know. They were hard to kill. Um, Alexia managed to because that, that's another thing about this virus is that the other reason why she was in Sub Zeros because the virus had to be slowed down, and the only way yes. to slow it down was to chill the virus. Um, okay, here's another Red aliens reference for you right is that the the aliens are very similar in that respect that um they are extremely resilient to high temperatures and low temperatures exactly the same as the code veronica virus was right but sudden mm-hmm. changes bad bad news right yeah. and it was the same with the code veronica virus and i love that um because it, it gave it a very a very small weakness right so if it does come back like like i i like i would really love to see it come back it's precisely what umbrella would want like global control from a centralized point yeah, that for sure. that sounds like it's right up their lab you know mm. <laughs> right up their lab right up their yeah. lab love. <laughs> i think yeah lots of good points well made about like just from a from a law perspective from a gameplay perspective and stuff like that you've got one two and three and how it's sort of almost yeah it's like ramping up more and more stakes and then for this game which is sort of a side game and we want to maybe not just continue to ramp things up and up and up let's go for a completely different direction it's absolutely its own beast it has all of its own attributes it has its own origin it's made by it a completely different family wing of the umbrella corporation absolutely and to your credit as well who knows it could come back we thought it was done with for many years and then it came back in dark side chronicles yeah uh rather prominently and then again in resident evil 6 so it's not a virus that hasn't had a history of coming back even if it's to it would in case of six uh inform brand new viruses but with dark side that really was a surprise for them to be like yeah we're just going to completely continue on this little story thread and what was so nice about that is we get to see alexia as this uh, you know experiment gone wrong she's twisted because of it so she's kind of megalomaniacal whereas with uh, manuela hidalgo who gets infected with it it's really nice to see someone else wielding the veronica powers uh compared to you know evil queen alexia it was a really refreshing interesting change of place even if yes it does get a little bit superhero or whatever you want to call it but it was really interesting to see them return to it come it from a different angle um so how do we feel about um, how memorable it is? And you know, would we like to see it again, James? You kind of already said so. Uh, Steve, would you like to see Veronica again? hundred uh, percent. I think. Like out of all the uh, spoilers for later on, I feel like this is probably one of the most potential because obviously it's already been used a few times. But the, the, the control aspect, the fact that I mean, besides like Plant Forty Two and one outbreak scenario, plant stuff doesn't get much of a look in in RE. Yeah. You know, that that's the part that really drags me. That and the whole, like, you know, just becoming some kind of plant-human hybrid who can launch fire is more compelling than a many-tentacled abomination with a glowing weak spot. Mm-hmm. We've, got, we've got a lot of those, so it's time for a mix-up. 
that and you know I guess answer okay I, I feel like the, the main the main thing that disappoints me about this is like what happens to Steve is a bit cliched he just becomes a monster man green thing with an axe compared yeah. to Nosferatu and Alexia who gets a real bum deal but I mean you could say that's because he's got a rapidly used version of the Alexa virus or whatever um, <laughs> right right but yeah generally speaking if they can find a way to work it back in I wouldn't say no it's got a lot of cool quirks that are unique to it mm. Uh, Rexy, would you want to see Veronica make a return? Do you think like it's a worthwhile uh, thing for the series to do more with? Um, absolutely. And I also hope that the next remake that they're going to make is for Code Veronica, because the possibility with the T uh, Veronica virus are amazing. And mm-hmm. while you were talking, I have remembered something about the ants. And there's actually this kind of zombie virus for ants. I looked it up and I cannot pronounce it for the life of me, but basically it's a parasite which grows on yes. ants and then they can manipulate the ants so um, it doesn't have a free will of its own body anymore. Yep. And this is actually also something that they could um, kind of add into the whole mixture if they wanted to, like more zombie stuff, more infected people. like. As we said before, the T um, Veronica virus um, doesn't react well when it has to um, react quickly, and this is why Alexia was frozen for 15 years, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So in- instead of um, the person just dying if they um, get infected too quickly with T um, Veronica, then they could um, they could um, also turn into a kind of zombie, but a different kind of zombie, like the parasitic zombie, which would also be right. another connection to Resident Evil 4, but also Resident Evil 3, because it has zombies in it. <laughs> so, um, basically, I think it would be a great idea to do more of the T-Veronica virus, maybe in a new game, maybe if in a remake of Code Veronica, mm. because I want to play the game badly, but I'm not gonna <laughs> mess around with tank controls and fixed camera angles. <laughs> I have done... <laughs> You have to know, uh, my best friend Lacey, he um, led me through um, Resident Evil 1 Remake back in the day. We played it on PlayStation. Basically, I played it and shared my screen with him and he was like, okay, then you move your controller this way so you can go this way. Uh, and yeah. I was doing terribly, but it was so much fun. We finished the game in, I think, uh, a single afternoon and I didn't die a single time because he just Wait, knew Wait, see? He's not so bad Yeah, he, <laughs> he just knew every room from the inside out and it was kind of fun, but yeah for the um, nice. newer fans it would be kind of benefiting without the tag controls and without the fixed camera right. angles, so I hope there's going to be a remake and more of Tiva Veronica virus in the new future I think you're right, like doing a remake like that, you can easily then make a new jumping off point to something new, obviously, because people were like re-reminded of it, or you can tweak the lore or how, how you like it when you do a remake and that kind of stuff, so mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to it at all, and if they do do it, you're, you're right, because like, there's this whole sort of element of controlling monsters, but we don't, outside of a few sort of, yeah, the pods and stuff like that around Alexia, we don't get to see her doing too much controlling, it would be really interesting to see her like commanding a horde of weird planty zombie types absolutely uh, that's something that now that you mention it feels like it's kind of missing like a bit of a missed trick that we, would be really cool to see in the future if, if we ever came back around to it um i was going to say about favorite and least favorite bow's i don't know if anybody's got a whole lot to say on this because again there isn't a lot of there's a there's more than <laughs> with just nemesis but i guess there isn't a whole lot of choice i think generally across the board 
all decent except Steve. I wanted to add something to what we'd like to see again, actually. Cause, sure. Because Rexy said something and it kind of ties into one of my notes. Um, so, you know how I love to theorize and like get wild with it. Um, so, Re- <laughs> <laughs> Rexy mentioned the, the ant zombie virus, which is cordyceps or a variation of cordyceps. And uh, yeah, in my notes here, I said like it would be cool to find out if the mold is a variation of the T Veronica. Ooh, because, that's a because, cool idea. Because Queen Ant, you know, an ant, you know, the fungus could take over. It's, it is a mold, it is a mushroom, a fungi. Right, and we know that that is a family, you know, and we know that colonies being controlled is very familiar territory with them both. Mm, very right? true, actually, yeah. So, you know, if they did do a remake, it would be cool if they connected those two things. Because they're trying to do that right now with the remix. They're trying to make connections between these right. recent Weave games. Weave everything together a bit yeah. more, yeah. So no, would, I can absolutely cool. see that, yeah. 100%, it's a great point. Um, even if it, it doesn't even have to be done in a Veronica remake, you could mention it in another game with the mold if that's the direction they're going to go. But I, yeah. I would thoroughly approve of that connection. I think you're absolutely right. Just one uh, big okay, timeline, cool. yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. So Alexia Ashford took the T Veronica virus into herself to make herself super powerful. James, you've been, <laughs> you've been making yourself a bit more powerful via the help of Magic Mind. Yes, I have. I've been taking Magic Mind, which is a like a one shot supplement that you have with your everyday morning coffee or whatever your caffeine alternative is. Um, and to be honest, I've never felt more focused. Um, like I, I used to drink energy drinks a lot, and uh, they tended to for me. They used to make me either jittery a few years, a few years, a, f- a few <laughs> hours later, or the next day I used to feel like really groggy and yeah. bad. However, while I was taking like Magic Mind, that never was the case. Um, I con- I felt very focused. Like I during the time that I was on Magic Mind, I uh, actually I used to give myself a couple hours a day to do maps for my D and D one shot service called Mortal Deeds, and I just kind of shot through to several hours and didn't feel like a fall off, like a burnout. Um, like it really improved um, my workflow when it came to that. Uh, yeah, so if you are inter- interested. Um, in Magic Mind, um, which by the way has kind of natural ingredients in it, like matcha, uh, like ashwagandha, which is a well-known um, kind of energy, uh, give, like slow energy giving um, kind of root. Uh, lion's mane mushrooms as well do the same thing. Mm. Um, yeah, if you would, if you would like to kind of have this supplement, where with your morning day coffee, I do de- do definitely recommend it. Um, use our code First Aid. Um, at www.magicmind.com forward slash first aid to get 56 percent off your subscription for the next 10 days uh, with that code that code again first aid f-i-r-s-t-a-i-d okay cool so let's move on to our next talking point which is the bit of a weird one which is the t plus g virus um following william birkin's death in 1998 work on the g virus stalled as there was no one skilled enough to finish his work and the virus remained incomplete the fusion of the t and g was a concept to somehow apply the g virus as a secondary application to an already infected t virus bow but this proved unsuccessful because of the volatile and unpredictable nature of g instead the g virus's nucleoprotein complex was broken down on a genetic level and certain genes and proteins that triggered the more unpredictable properties of the virus were selectively removed and replaced with their less volatile counterparts from T. 
This essentially resulted in the T-virus becoming an antibody to the G-virus and keeping it under control. This new variant restrained the runaway mutation properties of the G-virus and also bypassed its reproductive qualities. The heightened electromagnetic field boosted electrical currents in conductive tissues such as the brain and amplified transcranial magnetic stimulation leading to changes in neuron activity that allowed the body to fight off the virus from eroding intelligence and reduce cellular necrosis. By 2002, the first T plus G virus prototype was completed and labelled as version 0.9.1. It was tested on a tyrant but proved to be a total failure when only a minor bio when only a minor bioelectrical current was generated and the subject suffered severe skin de- depredation, I can talk, and a total breakdown of intelligence. Traits of the G virus were also clear when the creature developed a nest of tentacles on its hands rather than the trademark tyrant claws. Nevertheless, the resulting data allowed Umbrella to create a more refined variant, which was much more successful. The T plus G virus was due to be showcased on the Spencer Rain in summer 2002, when it was stolen in a terrorist attack led by former Umbrella employee Morpheus D. Duval and his band of loyal followers. It's thought the project was scrapped shortly thereafter, so this is obviously the plot or the setup for Resident Evil Dead Aim. Um, a interesting concept of combining the two viruses it feels on the surface to me a little bit like capcom went well we've got tng what if we just slap them together for this side game but when you think about again kind of like with t veronica for me you look at the sort of law justification you're like they've they've kind of kind of justified it to me it's like did g viruses impossible to use but the potential is still there how do we fix it like i could see them trying to do that even while it feels like umbrellas falling down around them because they've lost their big names and the company's going under um they're at least trying to salvage it by taking what they've got and 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 trying to fix it um i'm not massively keen on the electrical current thing but we can get into that um steve how do you feel about t plus g and how it fits within the law uh, very Deus Ex Machina to me. <laughs> a little it feels bit, yeah. uh, like a little bit too convenient, a little bit like, yeah, just slap the T virus on there, that'll sort it. Um, <laughs> and uh, much like yourself, the bioelectrical current thing, like, at no point has anything in the previous games established that the T virus or the G virus can do any electrical stuff or resist fire it. It's. Mm. If Dead Aim was released like a year ago after Village and then it was using Heisenberg's Kadu, it's more believable. Right, yeah. You know, that's more believable than just like, oh, yeah, yeah, the thing that made a dude turn into a pile of mush with eyes and the thing that makes tyrants, that'll work. Don't get me wrong, the the aesthetics and design specifically of Morpheus with this virus, I really dig. Mm -hmm. But but the, the, the tyrant that it makes is also just like an ugly tyrant with a melted face and noodle arms. Like, <laughs> in gameplay terms, it's rubbish. Visually, it's rubbish. It doesn't have an intimidating silhouette, and it just doesn't... It feels very much like, we need to do something, let's just... This will work. Like, this is this is student cramming for before the exam levels of law. <laughs> yes, it's a bit 2 plus 2 equals 5 to me. Like, yeah. combining T and G and then something about electricity just comes out of nowhere. Um, I'm no scientist. I like a bit of pseudoscience, but promoting the body's electrical current and barrier to fight off bullets is a little bit like, uh, what? I'm not quite sure that's how any of that works. He's starting to believe. If I I rub a balloon on myself so I'm static enough, can I fight off a (laughs) pistol? I don't think that's quite how that works. James, how do you feel about how this fits with the law? This one's a bit wild, isn't it? 
Like it's a little bit weird. Like it's almost too well for Resident <laughs> Evil. Actually, it's, it's 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 way it's yeah. Like they had chitin. They had plant-like plates to stop projectiles in other strains. Like, mm. but they decided to create a virus that has a shelf life of a ripe mango. <laughs> like by adding this electrical field. Like it, it's it, it's it's taking it's taking the two most prominent strains, the foundations of Resident Evil, and just doing nothing with them. I feel like mm. like that is really odd. Like I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think this one fits. It's a lore at all. Like whereas the other two, I had a lot to say. Like it, it just doesn't make. And this is pseudoscience, right? But I think like the joy of Resident Evil is you know to like layman's like us, you know, who don't know, um, you know, biology very well or virology. Mm. You know, mm. it needs to make some sense. You know, it we needs need to make sense to be scary, right? You need right. to be believable. Yeah, and this just isn't. It's like, okay, maybe this would have worked if this was... I mean, it wouldn't have been a success, a uh, successful game, but maybe this would have would have worked if it was, like, in the first game, right? Mm. But knowing what we know at this point, you know, it's just like, why? <laughs> why would you yeah. do this? It makes no sense to create an electrical field when you have so... And a temporary electric field at that, by the way. Like, it, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. Um, there are always ways to overload it, you know. I know, you know, when you when you're thinking about gameplay, yes, that makes sense in a gameplay sense. It definitely does. But in a virus sense, it doesn't make any sense at all um, mm-hmm. to to have an electrical field to stop projectiles when you 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 can do half the work and still like be protected. You know, yeah. I this one's a weird one and it's wild and it, it doesn't. I don't think it belongs in Resident Evil, and you know I'm gonna. I'll say it like you know we we've already we've had our Dead Aim podcast, and it, like we were very positive about that game when it came to Deval and how like mm. you know progressive it was, you know, and like, like still agree with that. But on the virus level, it just doesn't make sense. No, agreed. Um, Rexy, how do you feel about? I don't know how familiar you are with Dead Aim because it's a little bit of a weird one and hard to get your hands on. But how much do you know about this? How do you feel about the T plus G? Basically, the first time I read about this virus was when I do when I was doing research for this podcast mm. episode, and I read about it, and I was just, "What the f word is this happen? <laughs> is this thing?" Like as I've, yes. as the others have said before, it's taking the most iconic viruses of Resident Evil, mashing them together, and well, this is coming out. Um, yeah, basically. basically it reminds me of this um, GIF that people often post is fucking all of us. As a why not both? Yes, and then the, and the exactly girl's like, Yay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I can only imagine this is, <laughs> as um, this being some um, developer's idea after a few drinks, sitting in a meeting and being like, "Okay, people, which um, virus should we focus on in the next game? And the people are, are um, talking about it. We should focus on T. No, G, T, G, T, G. And then this dude absolutely hang over, just raises up. Why not both? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> T plus G. So yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of feels like an offshot and trying to reach for the um, Nemesis Alpha um, virus in my eyes. But mm. it had a crazy way of trying to deal with it and trying to reach this kind of level of the nemesis. So the idea behind it with the with the electromagical fields and all that stuff, it sounds a bit more cyberpunkish to me than anything else. Mm. 
it could maybe work in maybe a hundred years when we have developed some kind of immunity to various things because of um, God knows what's in our food and our air and everything <laughs> and our medication and everything. And um, that's it. At our not not ancestor. What's the word for the people that are coming after us? Help me. I can't English. Successor. Right Successors. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe some kind of futuristic um, Resident Evil game. That could have been an option where yeah. humans have mutated over the time and they have new um, abilities and with the T plus G virus, which was unearthed and worked with that could have maybe worked but not in the setting that it was set in in this game yeah. in my personal opinion mm. yeah i agree actually it, it's it's if they'd have sort of returned to this a long time later it could be interesting but it is only sort of four years or whatever after resident Evil 2 um and nobody has presumably done anything with the g virus since so it's in exactly the same form that it was so yeah just for it to randomly um add some weird electrical powers and suddenly you've not solved totally its issues but you know they've figured out ways to cut around it without Birkin who is meant to be this kind of genius is a little weird um yeah I don't know if we have a whole lot more to say on this in general I mean I think we've all fairly other than maybe bring it back in the future and no, I don't even think we want to do that right because like it's too late now you kind of ruined it by doing it the first time <laughs> it's yeah. just silly I don't think anybody it's... wants to see it again um, <laughs> if I may if I may have the floor go for it moment. like if we could, like, quote-unquote retcon, like, dead aim, and, like, either yeah. throw it into the bin of history and have a new teen G virus, or have a G and T, a gin and tonic virus, right? <laughs> I'd be on board. You can turn around and say, yeah, it turns out those notes are wrong. We just basically looked at the albanoid and thought, what if? <laughs> uh, yes, you know, because nice. the, the albanoid did have bioelectric things going on, and it was mm. a tyrant, well, it was tyrant virus-based. So, you know, you could retcon dead aim maybe and like have it be the t albanoid or something and then save tng for something actually cool yeah that, that would be nice mm. oh goodness me what a waste and as it stands when it comes to the bow's we've got very little to talk about here as well because um a lot of the new creatures in dead aim are just new t-virus monsters like the glimmer and stuff like that with the exception of mr wibbly wobbly tyrant that we've talked about with his uh tentacle hands and morpheus and yeah, you know, swings and roundabouts with the designs, perhaps. Uh, but not a great... Uh, you know, Morpheus a great departure and really cool to look at. But kind of, for me, just sort of like... I don't know, poorly justified, I think, across yeah. the board, really. I mean, the idea of a talking sentient tyrant is cool. Like, I, I dig mm, the aesthetic, yeah. but the way that they've achieved it... And what it ends up happening is just... Eh. Yes. It, you ruined it. You've ruined it. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Disappointed. Indeed. And now, reading the file, completion of new type virus from Resident Evil Revelations. Nina, who you can follow on Twitter at HasFinePosture. The T-Abyss virus contains genetic material from both the Abyss and the T-Virus. In and of itself, that's not much of a threat but it has allowed us to lay the groundwork for the study of weaponized marine viruses. I fear, however, that my name will someday be known for assisting with the production of the world's most terrible weapon. If a concentrated liquid form of the virus were to be released in a large enough area of the sea, 
Our data indicates that it would contaminate all of the world's oceans in a very short time, starting with bacteria at the point of contamination and then causing a chain reaction that would impact all forms of sea life. Once the Teobis virus contaminates an area of the sea, it will cause mutations at the genetic level to all forms in the area. It would be impossible to predict the severe ecological impact on humanity. I have doubts as to whether the research I'm doing here is actually to prevent bioterrorism and biohazard outbreaks. Okay, cool. Um, in that case, let's jump on to the next subject, which is T-Abyss. Jumping quite uh, dramatically forward now to Resident Evil Revelations, the T-Abyss virus was the result of creating a weaponized variant of the original Abyss virus, which was a naturally occurring pathogen discovered infecting deep water fish. The project was conducted in secret by an FBC research team and a tricell research branch under the direction of Excelagione. The application of T-virus genes allowed for cross-species infection, including humans. Sections of the body mass became completely liquefied and bone tissue mutated. But after, uh, but after sustained periods of adaptation, the virus could transform and strengthen muscle and bone structure. As the T-abyss virus spread throughout the host body, it consumed bodily fluids as it progressed throughout the circulatory system, resulting in infectants seeking out liquid sources and drinking the blood of their victims to replenish their reserves. As expected, the virus was highly successful on marine life and fish developed by extra ferocity and fish developed extra ferocity, mobility and adaptation to severe marine environments in ways the standard T-virus could never achieve. Original T-virus BOWs developed aquatic traits when created by the T-abyss, with hunters developing smoother patches of skin, frills on their body and the ability to mimic their surroundings and become transparent like certain deep sea organisms. Research data suggested that if a concentrated liquid form of the virus was released in a large enough area of the sea, it would contaminate all of the world's oceans in a very short space of time, destroying entire ecosystems. In 2005, a prototype vaccine was developed following data collected by Terra Grigia Panic. During the Queen Zenobia incident, Revelations, the source point of the T-Abyss virus was sabotaged by the BSAA and all development data was destroyed when the ship went down, but Raymond Vesta, secretly working on behalf of Tricell, secured a viable sample for the company. This, as I've kind of ended on there, is a big cliffhanger for the series that we've never gone back to. Um, the T-Abyss virus, which... Uh, as complex as Resident Evil Revelation's story is, and I don't have a clue what's going on most of the time in that game, um, it very much sells you that it's one of the most powerful agents that we've had in franchise history, as displayed there by how quickly acting it is and how it could just destroy the world if it got into the ocean because it's so adaptive to marine life. Um, and yet, I guess it's still floating out there somewhere because somebody has a sample, I guess, unless they got maybe assassinated as soon as they left that coffee shop. Who knows? Um, but how do we feel about T-Abyss within the law? Because for me, kind of like Veronica, um, James, what you were saying about how we don't really know much about where it came from, but I kind of like that, like the deep recesses of the yeah. ocean. It's a fantastic place to pull from because, you know, we in genuine actual human world we don't know anything about the depth of the ocean we can't know so it's a great place to pull that fear from for me um james how do you feel about how this fits in with everything else it's pretty cool isn't it it's pretty cool isn't it it's yeah. water progenitor like <laughs> exactly it's like this virus creates its own narrative just like yes yeah, um, yeah just just like the Veronica one did like it feels like that is in the universe, like it is in the universe of Resident Evil, right? Mm. It, it doesn't mess with the established lore either too much. Like it, it feels like it fits just fine. It, like it, it also came out of time 
like oh, I wasn't in the Resident Evil fandom, but this game was it 2012. This game came out. Uh, yes. Like, I-, I love this game. By the way, I love Rev One. I love Rev Two more, but like it, it came out at a time where deep sea stuff was kind of low on the radar as well for a lot of people, mm. right? So like it felt very new and original. I bet during that time, like even when I played it, it, it still you know like, we weren't really talking about deep sea. And yeah, deep sea is just like it is as alien as space. You know, um, now, th- there is that saying which is that saying which isn't true by the way, which is like we know more about space than we do about our deep oceans, but we still know very little about our deep oceans like and i I think that is like it's awesome like there is it's definitely something that could completely fit into our into our universe um and yeah i have very very cool things to say about this like this this virus just because again it uses that vaguety again like of oh yeah that that could fit and oh right well it turns these yeah that makes sense because it's it's something that has grown over a long period of time i love it in case folks don't know, <laughs> I love it when viruses are ancient. When something is ancient and it goes back like to an indeterminate time, right? Because it allows a story to be built around it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it allows theories to be made around it. And that goes for T-Abyss. And not only to T-Abyss, but the Deep Seas itself as well. Well, yeah, there's a reason why there's so many stories about Cthulhu coming out of the depths of the ocean. Because, you know, it could be anything in there and it could have existed for thousands of years. Quite genuinely believable for me. I agree. This is one of my favorite viruses as well. Just because of even if you stripped away everything else from Resident Evil and just wiped the slate clean and went, it's set in the real world. This is still believable to me. This could happen tomorrow. and People discover like an ancient virus <laughs> that completely ravages everything if we do, if we touch it. Like, I mean, it's genuinely quite believable and horrifying. Yeah, like that, like it was only, I think it's only been in the past 30, 40 years that we've discovered that there are like, you know, giant squid, you know, mm-hmm. colossal squid and stuff. Like, you know, I, I, I would love... Capcom to grab hold of that that information and maybe I mean this goes into another subject but maybe like grow that into something in the future like right. it, it, would, it would be because that would be like the Cthulhu <laughs> that we're talking about you're talking yeah. about like it would be dope and to, you, to your point as well I can't necessarily speak to sort of horror media at the time and how well it was using aquatic themes but whilst Resident Evil had had several games set on the sea at this point we just talked about Dead Aim we'd had Gaiden it did feel like an event, Revelations. I mean, not only because it was like, oh, cool, a new spin-off. Oh, cool, a new game with Jill. Oh, cool, it's on the 3DS. That's really weird and interesting. But it did feel like a big thing. It was like, we're finally getting a fully-fledged Resident Evil game set on a boat. Dead Aim felt like a weird arcade shooter. This is... It plays like Resident Evil 5, you know. but mm. And also, it's a bit more return to slower pace and spookier stuff. So it did feel like a big deal. Uh, and part of that was... It's set on a ship, and that's terrifying because the ocean is, you know, yeah, quite like space. Nobody can hear you scream, if the, you know, etc., etc. Um, Rexy, how do you feel about how this fits within the lore? Are you a fan? Um, before I go deeper about, um, into the, talking about the T-Abyss um, virus, I have to say something. I'm a simple human being. I'm afraid of being too far up in the sky, and I'm being afraid of being too far into the ocean. That's... Yes. <laughs> so... The whole uh, place um, of the um, game going down in the on the Queen Zenobia, it was absolutely terrifying for me. There is not yeah. a lot that terrifies me as much as the open sea. Because, as you said, no one can hear you scream. 
and um, yeah it's it's not yeah. great yeah it's <laughs> just <laughs> it's just something very anxiety inducing to me like i could deal mm-hmm. with ships on a, on a lake maybe by the coast but i have only been to the um, ocean i think a handful of times i think 10 times and that was a holiday so there's that it's just not my place to live and be yet and mm. um then i've been thinking about something and back in the day when i was a little kid um, I watched a documentary of my dad, and the documentary was about how um, intelligent octopus are, and uh, squid, and all, all of this, these types of animals, how intelligent they are, and, and once us humans are gone, that they could take over the world, basically, by evolving <laughs> in very, very um, short amount of periods of time, and how intelligent they already are. So let's take this very, very intelligent um, animal, push a vi- a t- the T-virus in it, the T-virus virus in it, yeah. and we are in for a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> starting to yeah. think Cthulhu might be happening, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I've also been thinking um, how quickly that um, virus would spread. Um, we saw with Corona how quickly a virus can spread all over the world when it's airborne. But now think how mm. quickly it can spread when it's waterborne. Like, let's say it um, drops at some point in the Atlantic Ocean. Then probably the next way the virus is going is towards England and just towards the, co- um, the west coast of Europe. Because of the, um, what's the name again of the weather that comes this way? I don't remember, I'm sorry. Basically, the co- how the cold weather is coming from there. And right. then it affects all of the uh, west coast of Europe. At the same time, it's going up into ra- um, into the clouds, into rain, and can spread all over Europe. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, just like Re- how- Rexy, you're giving me anxiety now. <laughs> no, it's cool. I like it. It basically... It's horrors beyond my comprehension, but also cool. <laughs> it's, it's basically just how the radioactivity spread back in the day when Chernobyl happened all over mm-hmm. Europe. How um, scientists in, was it Sweden? Finland or Sweden, I don't remember, found out about the whole situation and informed the pu- um, public about it because the um, radioactivity from the water and from the air um, um, came up all the way in, I don't know, I don't remember if it was um, Sweden or Finland, all the way up there, and that was just, I think, a few days after, so how quickly radioactivity can spread, wow. and so obviously um, a virus like this would spread like wildfire all over the planet. As soon as it's in the water, it's over. Yes, but, so basically was... we're all in agreement, deeply terrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just a bit deep dive into the various things that I know about and like to talk about. Like, um, radioactivity is just um, a thing I'm very interested in, but that's um, mm. a whole different topic to talk about. <laughs> but yeah, I like the fact that it focuses on the ocean animals and not a little, too much on the land ones for once. Yeah. And just the whole setting is very, very anxiety-inducing and just the thought of, okay, if this, uh, what what is the name again? Of if this ooze, I think that's what the main enemies are called. Yeah. Ooze are called. Yeah, ooze. When one of them is yeeting me off the ship, then it's over for me. <laughs> yeah, and you've got just, a tough choice, really, don't you? Get your all your liquid sucked out or get thrown off the ship. Yeah, it's not great. 
Probably better, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, um, just to wrap this up, um, um, I think it's a very, very cool idea to branch off from um, other mm. um, T-virus um, options. And with, this, with the setting that it has, it was very exciting. It was very fun to play. And it's very, very, very scary to think about of it in real life. <laughs> mm, for sure. Uh, Steve, how do you feel um, how it fits in with everything else? In comparison to like Resident Evil Gaiden and Dead Aim, out of all the Resident Evil things set on water, I know we take the mick and like, oh yeah, Resident Evil, another boat, that's a novel and original idea. Yeah. Um, this is the best one to ever do it, isn't it? Like, the T-Abyss is, like, I would argue, like, a great master, master stroke of virus. We see a stream of secondary infectants. We see engineered life forms and, like, the Farfellow Hunter-style things. And we even get a knockoff tyrant at the end of the roster with T-Abyss, uh, well, Ultimate Abyss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's a shame that they, they undersell it in the Terra Grigia segments in the game and you just fight hunters because, my God, the scope for this thing and the mutagenic properties of it just look amazing. Mm. Like, they went with a theme and it's just aquatic Lovecraftian nightmare creatures crossed with, like, what we know. Um, it's very inventive visually, I find. Like, uh, particularly, yes. like, the Scarmiglioni, I think. I'm not... You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not the best at pronouncing the, the shark Shocky knife boys. thing. Yeah, like I, I don't know if that's a secondary infection or an intentional one. Either way, it's dope. Like <laughs> in, in the stream of Resident Evil creatures, a, a sword and shield knight thing that you then shoot and becomes an electric tentacle creature. And in that case, there's a lot of like bioelectricity in aquatic creatures. Unlike Dead Aim, where it's like a Deus Ex Machina thing, it works. Mm. Um, yeah, the the origin also like it being a under the sea deep life form virus, much like the uh, the cheddar, not the cheddar man, but the ancient human that was going to be progenitor before they oh, change yes. it to the stay away the sun. Amazing tie into like real world stuff, like mm. undersold how effective and fantastic this one is. This feels like if we were ever to have a rival company make a virus, this is the kind of thing they should have. That's like or just as deadly as tea. Just as variable as T, only this one's playing to like a different theme. I suppose air. We've we've got water, like land, water, air. I don't, I don't know. I'm going with the elements <laughs> here. But generally speaking, they they had a theme and they nailed it. And it's a shame that it's probably going to be lost to like you know the bin of history when it comes to these games now because it's very inventive. Yes, I uh, agree. Feels like they moved on too quick almost. Mm. Uh, the only shame I've got really is that the use kind of—they are all grey, regenerator-looking things. They mm. all are all gross, but they do like compared to the rest of the infectants and creatures, they do have a distinctly similar silhouette across the board. Rachel, notwithstanding, because she's like you know an outlier, and yeah. uh, the Sky Dead can do one. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, yes, uh, yeah, like. More than just all the other reasons I said why Revelations was such a moment, but like the other Resident Evil games set on boats, you just fight regular monsters on boats. You just fight glimmers and stuff like that. Whereas, quite rightfully, this game, yeah, has its own entire roster of monsters for the most part. Yeah, we have hunters, but they're slightly different at least, and we've got another transforming dog enemy, fine. But like, yeah, in terms of, for the most part, the bulk of its enemy roster is like its own unique thing, and it's simultaneously incredibly wild and weird as you would expect deep sea creature experimentations and secondary infectants would be but also they are quite visually tied together 
unfortunately, Steve, as you, you quite rightly have said, they are tied together by all being kind of grey. Um, so I think it's really cool. It just is just shy of like a super iconic, memorable thing for me. It's it's very close, but I don't think we have anything that's just like you say revelations and everyone thinks that one sort of creature. I think it's missing like that one big thing. Mm. But for the most part, yeah, the ooze, the sea creepers, the scarmiglia, and they're all really cool looking monsters, definitely. Um, how do we feel about? Uh, well, I think we've all fairly well said that it's quite memorable and unique. Uh, I guess we've all said that we'd like to see it again because it does feel like missing potential. It just seems odd that they would do it for one side game and then never go back to it. I know yeah. they've kind of got the uh, the problem now that it is almost kind of too powerful. Like we've all said, like it's almost too scary because it's yeah. How do you justify someone else using it but not? There is a violation. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah, someone stole it, didn't they, or they took it, or something. Yeah. I guess there's yeah. a story you can write where it does get used again, but it doesn't result in the entire world being completely infected super, super fast because well, that would be an issue. Wasn't <laughs> the Lovecraft Innsmouth thing have it be a seaside port town or something? That'd be great. <laughs> oh God! Was it? Wasn't like the the actual virus itself as well? We could have a Meg situation if anybody's watched Meg, like a Meg the shark two. Film. The character the sh- from Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, the yeah, the big megalodon. Like they have this like kind of um, like this this catch all like mechanic in it, where it's like you know this this layer where the megalodons can't go through, right? And this this like virus was found in a trench, like a very deep sea trench, right? As well. So I'm wondering if it can't come up, like mm. and come up out of there, unless it's been manipulated, like you know. Because they, because this was the progenitor plus what what they found the, down the there. Abyss yeah. The abyss is what was found down there plus T virus. But yeah, you, yeah, there's no reason to say that there isn't more. There must be more abyss virus just kind of natively down in the trench, yeah. if you like. So in that sense, even uh, yeah, it's a good point. We all kind of discussed. Oh, there's a T abyss viral, you know, vial down there, but. There's plenty more of this virus in the ocean yeah. that people would slap tea or anything else onto as well at this point. Maybe, so, it, you know, in universe, maybe it's it's in every deep sea trench. You know, it gets to a certain, maybe it gets to a certain, again, crazy right. theory, James time. You know, you get to a certain depth and that's when this virus kind of, or this, uh, you know, strain kind of, you know, uh, proliferates and, mm-hmm. and, and lives. Yeah, I really would like to see this again. Um, as much as I love Revelations 2, which, which we're about to talk about, it's kind of a shame that we didn't just get a straight up something more more like a sequel to Revelations. Yeah, the Port Town thing sounds fantastic. Something like that, that uses water in a different way instead of just being on a boat again. Um, in terms of the BOWs, though, because this one doesn't actually have uh, quite a lot, even to just appearing in one game, it has quite a lot of, you know, a wide selection of stuff. Let's talk about favourites and least favourites, I guess, across the board. Um, Rexy, anything stand out to you that you like the design of or anything that's just kind of like meh out of this lot? Well, um, I actually did play um, Revelations 1, so I can actually talk mm-hmm. a lot more about this than the uh, past <laughs> two games, really. Um, what for me earlier was memorable was the O's. As weird as it yeah. sounds, but I like their design so much. They're slimy, they're ugly, they're disgusting. I love it. Yes. This is exactly how I want the zombie to be. That I look at it and think, oh my god, you can be an emetic. This is how one zombies to be. And what I also mm. really, really like were the wall blisters. 
Simply because they're also so gross. I have a thing for um, gross characters and gross enemies. Simply because um, I like the design of them and how they how they probably came out to be. And sometimes when there is no lore to them, making my own ideas and things made up. And if there are mm -hmm. um, lore to it, just um, diving deeper into it. But yeah, um, the wall blisters and the O's, I really, really like them. But the thing I didn't like were the Farafello. I hope I pronounced yeah. that right. The, yeah. It's just a hunter. I don't mess around with hunters. Hunters are the bane of my existence in every Resident Evil game that they're in. <laughs> I was playing Resident Evil 3 Remake on stream. I was playing on the easiest setting. And at this point in the game where you're in the hospital and you play as Carlos and you have mm -hmm. to get the... Um, I think the pieces of the vaccine to mix it up for chill. And there's this room with the two hunters in it. I was playing on easy. I died 15 times. So screw <laughs> them hunters. <laughs> Fantastic. On that note, Steve, <laughs> how do you feel about the Farfellow and the T-Abyss sort of roster? I mean, I'm biased towards hunters for the same reason that Rex, Rex hates them. Like, you know, I, I love how dangerous they are, mainly because of PS1 levels of trauma. Um, but the, uh, generally speaking, I only have uh, love for the majority of the roster of. Uh, um, I was going to say generations. That's a very different thing, Steve. Yes. Uh, that, that's like the Hedgehog or Picard and Kirk. Um, right, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there's only two that I don't like in Resident Evil Revelations. One is Sky Dead because it's overly tanky, it's annoying, it's wobbly, and it's got an insta kill attack. And the other one's the Malakoda. Like, a right. T Abyss whale. Sounds amazing, and then it's just a giant thing you shoot out with worms boring in and out of it. Like, yeah, that's a shame. That feels like because I mean, like uh, recently we had Death Island, and again, an aquatic enemy that could have been really menacing gets merged with a big bad, and it just becomes this like lump. Uh, I, I feel like the bigger la the bigger sea creatures are getting a bum deal in the Resident Evil universe so far. We've had Neptune, and that's <laughs> it. Uh, mm. Yeah, so Malakoda and Skag Dead can do one. Uh, stand out for me is probably still Scar Miglione, maybe maybe Rachel. Sea Creepers are creepy as well. And that, that like wine they have is uh, borrowed deep into my brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty good, pretty good. A plus. Yeah, for me, Malakoda, yeah, like the boss fight's a bit disappointing. And I've, yeah, Drag Ignazo is just like, there's Blob and then there's this Barnacles. kind of Blob. That was, that, Barnacles yeah, not, everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, super barnacle man, like whatever. But uh, I actually do like Skag Dead. It, it's basically the thing monster, <laughs> which is fine by me. Um, and the ooze, as I said, like it does feel a little bit like they're maybe missing a little bit something. But I really do love the attention to detail with yeah, the, just how slimy they are, the way they move, and the way they attack you. Where they've got like that weird like sucker thing that comes out of their mouth is disgusting. Uh, yeah, really pretty. Cool, that uh, they're, they're identifiably the zombie of the game, but also absolutely their own thing. Um, James stands out for good and for worse uh, for the TBS. I just want to I just want to point out how in depth we've we've become when talking about the monsters of this game, and I feel like and and how we're describing everything because it reminds me of the original games and our yeah. reactions towards those original zombies, those original monsters, right? And we've not really had that reaction for anything mm. else on this list so far. So right. yeah, I just want I, I think that is a testament to this game. Like mm. that we're we're kinda going into detail here. But yeah, my favorite is Skag Dead and Ultimate Abyss. 
Like I love the nice. Skag I love the Skagnet because of how it's created. Like this thing, um, only is happens very rarely. I don't know how they got this stat, by the way, but apparently one in every thousand people that are, I, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, but one in every thousand people, this thing. I guess happens there was a thousand people on the boat, and they went, "Well, one did it." So, <laughs> they did a yeah, there's our the clipboard. There's our fair experiment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Very, it's, it's very cool to kind of have. I know it's like it's small things, but it's very cool. Like in the way it was described, like it's it's not a quick process for them. It's very slow and mm. painful and yes. absolutely brutal. You know, and that is. I think that is at the heart of Resident Evil as well. Like you know, we we forget sometimes we forget about the transformation itself with the Res- Resident Evil, but I think they went back to the, the foundations with the Skagdead um, and showed you how, like, it, it can be it can be even worse than initially uh, <laughs> thought, you know? And, yeah, and then there's the Ormo Abyss. Um, this thing, although, yeah, it's a ty- it's, it's a deep sea tyrant, right? Um, but the, I love the, I love that it flashbangs, essentially, you know, and then it, uh, like, supposedly teleports, like, and, you know, I think that's so cool because they've, they've used, like, the anglerfish kind of situation where it's, like, it, it, it dazes you and then, you know, mm. I, I remember facing that thing and I have not really beforehand felt like I was in a real, like, I was in real threat. Like in a Resident Evil game before I faced Ultima Abyss, right? Yeah. I I thought, okay, I'm just I got all these guns, pow pow pow, you know, Tyrant's dead, right? But I actually felt like it was a it was a threat to me, like in 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 the game, and I think that's that's why I'm giving it, um, you know, and its name was super cool too, super edgy but super cool. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't I don't know. I said earlier on, like you know, I'm going back on my rule of does it make sense. It kind of makes sense, but doesn't. But I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go back on my roll because this it was just so cool. And my least favorite was wall blisters because they're just to me they were not really exciting, and they were just annoying to deal with. <laughs> like I, I, I don't, and that's just personal preference because I don't like terrain, like things that mess with your terrain or like mm-hmm. going to places. I want a way to kill things, you know. Um, and I remember going past those things and being terrified which is what they're meant to do but then not being able to do anything with them for you know for however long you know uh, kind of annoyed me so that was my least favorite with wall, wall blisters but skag dead old Mobis, fantastic five stars <laughs> okay nice uh okay that's going to take us on to our final virus of uh this episode which is as i said revelations 2's t phobos which was a variant of the T-virus and originally a mutant strain designed to react with hormone secretion into the body dependent on the host subject's levels of stress. What makes T-phobos unique from other T-strains is the delivery system. When injected into the body, the virus immediately goes dormant in the bloodstream and will only activate via a unique trigger. The virus is programmed to react to certain hormones when the subject is exposed to heightened stress and fear levels, specifically adrenaline and noradrenaline, which are produced in varying amounts depending on the fear levels the subject is exposed to. Once released, these hormones come into contact with the dormant virus and it will activate and spread throughout the body at speeds dependent to the amount of hormones secreted. So, ergo, the most more scared you are, the quicker and more violently you will transform. 
Should the host be capable of rapidly calming themselves down following a heightened stress release, the virus will slow in circulation to the point where the body's immune system could combat it and create natural antibodies. This would lead to that person slowly adapting to the virus. Certain hosts with a naturally strong mental capacity possessed higher than normal amounts of adrenaline and noradrenaline, but their impressive psychological barriers ensured the secretion speeds would always remain below the threshold for transformation. This could be interpreted as a subject possessing no fear or alternatively conquering their fear. Instead of mutating the subject, the virus slowly rewrites the host's genes, resulting in superhuman abilities, a direct link to the prototype virus taken by Albert Wesker during the Arklay Mountain incident. The eyes will glow red, and like Wesker, these symptoms will only manifest upon death and subsequent revival. Secondary infection via Tifobos will cause a human subject to degenerate into a state somewhere between zombie and normal and zombie. The manipulation to weaken the lethality of the virus for the fear experience ensured an infected host could remain in this state longer before regressing into a zombie. And the ability to wield weapons and activate mundane devices. It can take up to several months for a secondary infected T-Vobos host to actually die, and only then will the virus reanimate the dead cells completely and bring them back as undead, otherwise known as rotten. What's as curious is that the secondary exposure to T-Vobos virus only seems to affect male subjects. So, yes, sadly we abandon the T-Abyss, uh, we head in the direction of T-Phobos. Um, this is an interesting case because Revelations 2 does have this as its unique virus, but unlike Revelations 1, um, its enemy roster is made up of more than just T-Abyss stuff. But, um, sorry, T-Phobos stuff, but, but I always found it interesting that this is a weird virus that infects you and you stay human up to a certain point. Then if you die, then you come back as a zombie, which is really, really cool. Uh, Rexy, how do you feel about... The fear virus, essentially. Don't get scared, all you mutates. Um, I have had the idea while you were um, talking about and while I was going through the um, um, different um, websites about it, the different pages. Um, this would also be a kind of interesting um, horror game in a different mm -hmm. setting. Like, um, how should I explain it? Basically, you have to wear um, um, a VR headset right um like we are we are and maybe you are in a full body suit or you have these um things on your body which measure your heartbeat and your um what's going on in your brain that could be an interesting horror game all by itself basically um how scared you as the player are the quicker um your character either that um gets infected with the virus or how slow it uh, it does how you have to mm. calm yourself down i had this idea while you were talking about this and also were reading about this of course this doesn't um add to the discussion too much how i feel about this virus but this could maybe be um an idea for a different kind of game a different kind of horror game but mm. uh, but i mean i have no idea how much that would cost but you know it's just wishful thinking but yeah, um, it, on one side, it kind of makes sense in the lore somehow, but reading and listening about it was all a bit WTF, if I dare to say it's so. It's a bit convoluted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's quite a lot. Mm -hmm. But I um, um, do really like the fact that fear and stress plays into how quickly um, a person gets infected or turns in this case. I just really like the concept and the idea behind this um, whole fear setting and just if you survive long enough then you get superpowers which is like the probable outcome but you have to weed out the weak ones. 
Right, precisely. Yeah, it's... And that seems like that's the whole concept of the game, isn't it, really? Kind of like... Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, Outlast Trials in this kind of sense, where you also have to undergo the different trials and have to strengthen yourself and go through hallucinations and God knows what else. I haven't played the game too much at the moment. But yeah, um, as as it was just said in the chat, um, Survival of the Fittest turned up mm. to 11. And um, it's just, yeah. it's an interesting it, concept and I like it. It really does remind me of that. And to your point when you're saying like, it sounds like an entire concept for a game, like in itself, mm-hmm. I feel like they built it around that first. It was like, why do we make a Resident Evil game where the whole point is if you get scared, then you get infected? And worked back from there. But in so doing, I don't feel like they marketed it that way in the end. Like, you, you feel like that would be a big part of it. But it feels like they started with the idea, which is a solid idea, um, and then tried to justify it to me. Because, yeah, Outlast Trials and something like it, for me, it always, and there's a lot of sort of visual uh, stuff in Revelations 2 that feels like Saw. And it feels a bit like that, obviously, where it's like, well, we trapped you all and put it here, and I'm going to play basically a game with you and toy with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's. It is, yeah, all that stuff is absolutely accurate. For me, I, don't, I like the idea. It's a fun idea, but this is it, it's kind of a stretch for me. It's a little bit overly convoluted um, and tries to justify itself in a few too many ways for me. Steve, how do you feel about T-Phobos and how it fits in with everything? In writing, like, it's very much like Revelations 1. It's well thought out. Like, the, the idea that basically it is... This is Alex Wesker's interpretation of the own virus she was given when she was younger. Like, you know, by uh, the whole, the Wesker project, etc., etc. Mm. Uh, and the, the fear leads to a transform- transformation, uh, a way of, like, basically finding out who is, quote-unquote, worthy of this virus. <laughs> Not unlike how so many Wesker candidates didn't even survive the original virus. Mm. Cool. Unfortunately, it causes most people to turn into grindhouse zombies, <laughs> and they kind of a bit. I, I love Revelations too, listeners. Like I, it's one of my favorite Resident Evil games. The grindhouse zombies suck. The Iron Head thing, which is just basically oh, we legally distinct pyramid head yes. knockoff thing. Rubbish. Yeah. Hate it. Uh, most of the BOWs attached to the virus are dog awful, um, <laughs> which is a shame because I love me the monsters in Resident Evil games. Yeah. But, but the idea that it's a, 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 a scarecrow fear toxin to, fear, to basically figure out who, who's strong enough, that's kind of cool. The idea is neat. The execution is poor. Mm. Um, stand out for the Glasp. I think that's the only B.O.W. that looks visually interesting. Stealth creature that can like consume you and cover you in bugs. I don't know if it's truthfully attached to T-Bobos, but most people say it is, so fair enough. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, like it's it's kind of weak. It's it, it ain't no T abyss. Let's put it that no. way. It's um for me like on the surface, it's a really good kind of pseudoscience. Like if we toy with the host's adrenaline, how will that affect the speed of the virus and so on? Yeah, like, that's that's cool. But then when you think about it more, it just sort of starts to fall apart. Like you're right, it's kind of nonsense. Shout out to the rotten, like that's almost a V act process in itself. Using yes, like the classic, I had the thing. same thing, yeah. But otherwise, the the BOWs are rubbish. Capcom, see me after class. We need to discuss this. <laughs> we need to stop watching Saw films and start watching stuff like The Thing. Okay, mm. I know you used to watch it when you were younger. Go back and watch it again. 
<laughs> yeah, you heard him, Johnny Campcom. Um, James, how do you feel about Phobos and how it fits in with everything else? Is it a little bit too unattached? It's like, you know, so I was talking about Code Veronica earlier on being an outlier in a positive way. This is an outlier in a negative way. Like, it's separate from the lore of Resi. It's not really about Resident Evil, like, and its viruses. It's more connected to Alex Wesker. And yeah. I, I love Alex Wesker as well, by the way. I love that character, and I, I really wish she came back again. Right? Um, but it makes it an outlier. And it's a really cool idea. As I think we've all gone over it several times, but it's a really cool idea for a video game. <laughs> but is it a good idea for a virus? A virus based on fear, like what you you know it's so when you weird, isn't it? when you think about it in universe, I can't imagine it having any actual uses. <laughs> like you know, when compared to the other variants, I mean, it's it's no. I put I put here it's the sad boy of viruses. <laughs> you know, it, it's because it, it would have been made better if the virus caused fear, and then. You know, it, it exacerbated and got worse after that, and they worked into that angle. Yeah, right. And but that—that's the—that's the missing link here. Is that it's—it's it's a virus that works off your fear, right? So you have to, if you're not a fearful person, like it doesn't really work. <laughs> well, and then and then you become, you know, something stronger. You know, and I don't know, I. I get, I get that, and that's cool, and everything. But nah, is is it is it a good virus? Like, I don't think it is. Yeah, because I think the problem would be for me is you would have to. I think as much as I, I I'm like Steve, I really like Revelations too. Like the Same. story of it's really good, yeah. but the virus is sort of a weird part of that because they really should have rammed home, perhaps even more so that. Wesker was just using it so she could find a host. Like it wasn't designed to be sold or used sort of militarily. Um, it's it's her. It's for her to find someone that she can put her brain into so that right. she might continue to live. Which is like that's quite interesting. But then it kind of <laughs> it, it means you don't really care about the virus and the stuff that it yeah. creates because it's all kind of like circumstantial offshoots. And it's such as kind of like Steve said, it is just like a weird mishmash of stuff. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it doesn't they're a, tie together nicely. There, there are better ways to find a successor. There are better ways <laughs> right. to find someone you know that you can slip into. You know, <laughs> other than making a virus, it's like you know they they were like, oh yeah, they they built they built the story right of Alex Wesker around the virus, but they they went around the back door. Like it was it was very right. it was very weird how they've done it. You know, I, I, and I don't want to see it again. Like, unless, like, like I've suggested, you know, they made it more global, you know, um, and like maybe they, they made the virus give you is, I think it's, uh, pantophobia where you're scared of everything. Right. Like anything you yeah. look at, like, and it's, it's like, you know, you do that and it was, it's also infectious and infectious fear and fear we know is infectious. You know, and as so we know about fear, fear leads to terror and something, something. <laughs> fear, terror, infinite darkness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could get behind that, uh, but in its current state, you know, I I, I, don't want, I don't want to see it again. I completely agree. Like, I feel like you could 
do some more with it. I wouldn't want to see it in this state, but I feel like there is potential for it to jump into something else. And um, Revelations 2 is now, you know, nine years old, unfortunately. So um, they're all kind of like, it's, it feels a little bit late to go back to it almost, but they could, they could have capitalized on it and turned it into something in another game. Um, certainly, because I do like the idea of, as I say, of it sort of, being reliant on adrenaline that slows virus speed, and that's a really interesting concept. But yeah, it doesn't really something work missing. without. But there's certainly that, but it doesn't work without Wesker anymore, does it? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it'd be weird if this was a virus spill because people who get infected don't even realise they're infected necessarily until they get scared. I mean, maybe that's interesting, but I, I just don't know. It just it. It was built for this game very clearly, and it doesn't really I like- uh, connect to everything quite so perfectly. I like the Asbo bands, though. The Asbo bands, yes, <laughs> precisely. Um, Steve, would you want to see this again return in some form? Uh, the better BOWs are coming at second half with the Ouroboros stuff. The like, the concept and the lore behind it, and you know, seeing it as a way to replicate what was done to Alex Wesker herself, cool. But the BOWs are garbage. Like. <laughs> <laughs> There's no two way around it. Like we look like we're a potential of something decent with uh, Gabe, but he, he, he died, and Pedro just became a buff dude with a power tool with many eyes. <laughs> all the all the rest of them are just uh, whoa, barbed wire. What if I wrapped it around my face and hit people with a wrench? Like no, like this is an F, Capcom. <laughs> like stop watching Saw. Fair, uh, Rexy. Speaking of BOWs, then. Um, is there any monsters from this game uh, for better or for worse that stand out to you? Um, can I add something to the um, lore? Of, um, yeah, no, I, go for yeah, it. Let's do yeah, it first. Sorry, um, because I thought of something while you um, were talking. Um, basically, um, us humans evolved that stress was actually something useful. Um, it heightened our senses. And yeah. um, when you were stressed for a very, very long period of time, you, you might have realized this um, while working that there was a time where you were super stressed and then you were on vacation. And then the second time of vacation, you fell sick. That's basically your body protecting you during these stressful times from the dangers because mm-hmm. your body cannot um, tell the differences between um, the deadlines at work and a saber-tooth tiger. It's the same for the, <laughs> for it. Yes. Yeah. And so, it's also um, kind of um, um, how should I say it? Um, it's kind of t- um, rubbing against each other. Like um, mm. you kind of need to stress to be um, better at something. Like better, you know, under question question marks and all that stuff, but um, quotation mm. marks. But um, it also um, hurts the body in the long run. And, um, but it makes the body stronger. As I've said before, heightened senses, you're stronger. Like I've read of, um, people even pushing up cars to, um, to get yes. their loved ones trapped, um, which were trapped there, um, out. So actually stress would be something useful in this case, but mm-hmm. to weed out the people who get stressed easily, which means they get, um, um, stronger in this case easily, it's kind of contradicting i think that's the right word itself yes i think you're right actually yeah there's a lot of focus on people that don't feel fear or overcome their fear where you're quite right maybe it should be people that use their fear um to better themselves or to do something with it and you know use it as fuel 
or maybe it could be something in this way. Um, I'm a very anxious person and I always think of the worst case. But the, the, but the good thing about this is when the worst case happens, you're prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a personal experience of mine, but um, I'm always afraid. I have a lot of old neighbors that one of my neighbors is going to pass out while I'm outside and I see them and I have to help them. This actually helped um, because this actually happened. And then huh. I was prepared for this very situation. Mm -hmm. I jumped over the fence and got to them and helped them before anyone else could do this. And the level of anxiety just stayed the same because it's always the same. It's always this heightened uh, um, sense of anxiety. So maybe mm -hmm. this could... I'm um, a different kind of the T-Phobus virus that goes into that direction could um, also be useful in a different um, Resident Evil setting. Like take mm -hmm. the um, people who get um, stressed very easily and turn them into absolutely monsters and str yeah. just stronger and everything. Use their and, fear to make them stronger, absolutely. Yeah, and then there's another thing, um, as you said, that um, the women die because of the virus and the men just yeah. stay infected. Uh, this is also something that we that would be kind of interesting to know, like what kind of hormones um, cause this and if we, for example, inject um, the woman with let's say testosterone, how much it would mm. need um, to make them also not um, die, but just infected. And vis-a-vis -vis for the um, man, that would also be um, interesting to know in this case. Um, but yeah, this is what I just wanted to add to the lore. Sorry about this. I just had thoughts while listening to you all talking. But yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. Mm. It's just, where where's the point of either dying and um, getting infected in both the hormone way and in the um, stress way. That could have been... I never actually... You've, you've actually raised a good point. I'm glad we didn't completely gloss over this because we almost mm -hmm. did. Like, the whole thing about um, it only affects male subjects and it kills women, I didn't. I never really understood mm -hmm. why. Did they try and justify that in the law? I don't really get why that is, especially because it's be in theory, it's being built for Alex Wesker. So, like... Why would it not infect women? Like I don't really understand. Yeah, I, what that I'm not sure. About. I'm not sure on this front because, like, the glasp is meant to be feminine, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's got like a lady's torso kind of built into the back of it. Right. I was wondering if it was like affecting them differently. But then again, if it doesn't, because I still think the glasp feels more like a T-Phobos creature. That, um, sorry, an Uroboros style thing than a hmm. T-Phobos Unless... thing. Then it would be like, yeah, like some kind of hormonal, like, uh, chemical thing, surely. I mean, um, in in, yeah. in universe, like I, I I personally don't like the idea of that. Just like out of universe, like I think it's kind of you know minimize minimizing. But like I know, but this is Alex West because she's not a nice person, right? I I know, <laughs> right? But like in the in the, so in universe, I was thinking maybe you know just talking about Code Veronica again, um, you know maybe she wanted to be the queen bee, the queen N. Maybe she wanted to yeah. be the only one. Maybe true. Yeah, I could see that. They should have really justified or explained that a little bit more again, I suppose, because uh, it's always something that I thought was very odd. But as you've all just gone, yeah, because they haven't properly explained why that was. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but regardless. Um, sorry, yeah, we got massively sidetracked. <laughs> uh, sorry. Lexi, it's, no, no, it, you know, it was really worth having that conversation. You're right. Um, yes, so BOWs, any, anything that you do or don't like from this game, Rexy? Well, what I absolutely do not like are the glasps. <laughs> These bug-like things. 
And I've said before, I'm a simple woman. I hate being too far up in the sky. I hate being too far out in the ocean. And I ha dislike animals with too many legs. So like <laughs> giant web spiders. <laughs> you see, I'm okay with very tiny spiders. Like we have zebras jumping spiders where I live. I like them. They're cute. They're Gucci. I have friends who have tarantulas. <laughs> These guys just chill in their um, um, terrariums all day. Sometimes mm. come out to eat something and that's it. Everything in between can go and <laughs> yeah. do something to themselves that I'm not allowed to say here on stream. Oh god, someone did you have to put a gif of this huge spider in chat? Oh my god. Sorry for the listeners who don't know this. Um, we are doing this live and there is also a chat. I have the chat open. Let okay, thank that. you let for me, deleting it. <laughs> so yeah, I don't mess around with spiders. I, ha I had one in my bed not too long ago. I killed quite a few in my grandma's bedroom already so i don't mess around with spiders and i'm not so, gonna mess around with tea phobus spiders <laughs> no are you, are you are you not on the the bring spiders back into re train then the only reason why i have never played skyrim in vr is because of the <laughs> giant frostbite spiders so That's this fair. is my That's stance <laughs> Fair enough. I don't so, know, yeah, I kind of want to see reactions to more spiders, to be honest. <laughs> oh, god damn. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, um, I, uh, I can... I can uh, sorry, I can deal with a lot of animals. I can deal with a lot of creepy crawlies. I like scorpions. I like sca snakes. But j spiders? Nah. Just nah. <laughs> In terms of uh, the other one you mentioned, I, I'm I'm also Team Glass. But I actually I think it's an awesome design. It's spooky and I incredibly annoying and uh, very memorable because it's so different and ghostly and odd. Um, I don't quite hate the Bo selection quite like you, Steve. Uh, but you're right. Iron Head is just a Silent Hill monster. We have another sort of canine creature. Um, Exploder is just like your standard exploding zombie, which we have in all of these games and several Resident Evils. Uh, I do really like the Afflicted, as I say, as sort of like they're not actually dead um, until they get back up as the sort of skeletons, which is the rotten. I really like the rotten. Yeah, again, exactly what you said, Steve. It reminds me of the V Act, and but not really. But like, it's like a rubbish V Act. Um, I do appreciate that. It's a cake and eat it sort of situations, really. Um, what do you call yeah. them? Like green heads or something? Uh, <laughs> Skelly heads. Viridian heads. Yeah, skeleton heads. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the strongest roster, but uh, I'll admit that much. But I don't completely hate it because, um, at least, thankfully. Um, we do have some Ouroboros and stuff thrown in there as well, but T-Phobos hasn't produced a lot of great stuff. You're right. Um, James, how do you feel about the T-Phobos B-O-Ws to wrap us up? Okay, uh, so technically both of my, my fave and my worst is going to be... They're also going to be my fave and worst. Like, you know, my fave is Alex, just the end boss. Like, right, yeah, yeah, such a cool monster design. Mm. Like, the idea of mechanical and biological meshing together like it did with her. It was really... Uh, it was gorgeous, but also terrifying to look yeah. at. Um, like, the pure rage of her as well. Like, I, I, like to give... You know, it, it made sense. You know, her complete 
chaos, like chaotic nature was cool in that kind of mechanical. It was spectacular. I, um, like, as I say, like, I'm not sure about the virus itself, but she was super cool. Um, mm-hmm. and the worst, but it's the worst because, and we've already, we've already all mentioned it, but the worst, it's, it's my worst because I hate it, but I also love them. And that is the glass, the fact that they can mimic their surroundings. I hate anything that can go invisible in a game. Like, <laughs> yeah, fair. like you know, and it's even worse with these things because they don't just go invisible, but when they grab you, like they, ah, you know, I, I, I love bugs. I mean, I've, I've like had, I've, I've cared for bugs my entire life. When I was a boy, I was a very boy, boyish boy. You know, I used to, you know, pick things up and go, "Hey, look, mom!" And she used to go, "What the heck, James? Get that out of the house." <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, like the disgusting design, the legs hanging off the back, like it's got like human legs hanging off the back of it, like like refuse, like the bloated femme body, you know, the insectoid legs on the front. It's a really someone worked hard on that design. Yeah. Like and yeah, and it's that, that's also why I hate it. You know, and it's the worst. But I can't really say I hate it cuz you know, every time I get to that section in the village and there's just a bunch of them, you know, I really dread it. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's it's supposed to do that. You know, um yeah. And that yeah, the the glass that I love them but I also hate them. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. It's a stressful bit, but it makes one of the most memorable parts of the game for me. Um, Okay, so that's T-Phobos, that's Virology uh, T-Virus Part 2. Nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors, our patrons, and our listeners. Join the First Days Bro Discord server to become part of our community and hear the show early and unedited. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Do we have to call it X? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. All of these links and all of our content can be found at fasebraypod.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting apps. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review where you can. And spread the good word. Don't forget you can support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for as little as $1 a month. In our next episode, we draw a card from the encounter deck and hope we roll a full evade as we review Resident Evil, the board game. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of us individually. I'm at Cyniac underscore 123. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. James is at Moist Owler OFF and Rexy is at Rex to see rights. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. decide if I can get away with the window open because that's the customary you know those podcast time when I go oh it's warm in here <laughs> God's sake. oh I'll tell you what I need to close my back door actually one sec no worries. <laughs> <laughs> see it's, there you go it worked and it was all paid off yeah it's me looking at my fan going I can, can I turn it on can I get away with it and no, the audio yeah. quality is no uh, yeah, maybe oh. give me less work, thanks. <laughs> hey, I'm, 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 I'm a good boy. It's true, you do do your own, yeah. Alright, I'm back. Do do. Do do. Right, okay. I think we're good. Let's, I guess, just do it. Whew. It feels like, it, it feels like it's been a long time. <laughs>